Hello everyone and welcome to episode 129 of Squared Circle Gazette Radio. I am Liam O'Rourke, alongside Carl Jones. Nothing quite like a disputable list to bring out the salt. G. John Chase. Hello. And Kieran O'Rourke. I'd just like to say mine isn't a list. We are back this week to talk about the top 25 raw matches and moments in the history of the show. Um, obviously, with this being a kind of a landmark week, uh, allegedly, as WWE would have it, uh, the 25th year anniversary of Raw, we did get this idea from Rick Kobos, a long-time listener, uh, who suggested we do a list uh, along these lines. So what we have done, uh, we have compiled our, uh, our own list of uh, favourite matches and moments. We chose from 150 different ones, uh, and we have basically ranked them from 1 to 30, and we have a cumulative score uh, that we're going to get to here today. It's going to be an interesting way to kind of analyse and break down uh, the impact these moments had on us uh, differently. Obviously, different things kind of stand out to different people, and hopefully, we'll uh, stretch the gamut of opinion on a lot of these big moments here. But we do have a lot of different moments to talk about here today. It's going to be very fun to break these down. So, uh, what we're going to do first, uh, we're going to go obviously from uh, from the bottom up. The honourable mentions, the ones that got close to being in the top 25. These are, we're going to blow through these. We're not going to talk about them because they didn't make the cut. But these are the ones that were on the fringes. So, Sean Michaels and Steve Austin versus David Boyce Smith and Owen Hart from ah, May of 97. Boo! The Rock Concert from... Uh, from uh, yeah, it didn't make the cut. Didn't make boo! the cut. Mike... Shut up. Hang on, hang on. Mike Tyson joins the X. Fell outside the top 25. The simulcast... Shane McMahon buying WCW fell outside the top 25. Bret Hart flipping out after the cage match in, uh, in 1997. That fell off the list. Uh, Shawn Michaels versus Kurt Angle Iron Man match didn't make the cut. Well, hang on! Hang on! Hang on! <laughs> what was that? Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels? Yeah, didn't make the cut. Iron Man match? Yeah. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Welcome to it. Welcome. You f- the debut of the Radicals didn't make the cut. Just fell what? outside. I actually didn't put that in, but I should have. <laughs> I, 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 I only had it number 30. The Rock's funeral for Stone Cold Steve Austin just fell out. Again, these are all ones that fell right outside the top 25. Steve Austin's beer bath of the corporation fell just outside the top 25. And the Brian Pillman Steve Austin gun incident also fell shortly outside the top 25. So it's going to be interesting as we talk now about the ones that did make our top 25 cumulatively, about the ones that we feel should be uh, placed higher than the ones that did make the list. So we'll start now with at number 25, Ben Warren Jericho versus Austin and Triple H in the May 21st, 2001 episode of Monday Night Raw. Uh, Carl, you rated this higher than anybody. I believe you placed this at number 15 on your list. So I'll let you lead uh, on why this one uh, made the cut and a uh, pretty good ranking. Generally considered one of the better matches in Raw history, I think, and, uh, and I think rightfully takes its place here. Yeah, I mean, generally, I, I was sort of the, the ideal list for me would, would have a mixture of, um, of sort of moments and matches. I yeah, don't know that's you, what this is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you, you managed to catch uh, the show that the WWE slapped together on their network, which was their top uh, top twenty five moments. I, I, I watched that two both, minutes, and Pete Rosenberg were, was on it, so I he, he was yes in a uh, in a knockoff Heenan jacket. But theirs was pretty much all moments and, and no matches, and that. Uh, I felt like that meant it was missing something, and it wasn't a case of uh, giving it a little caveat and a nice little addition with the introduction of Pete Rosenberg. To be honest, no. Anywho, mm-hmm. um, I just uh, this to me is sort of it, it, it's just such a fun match in front of a hot crowd. If your sadistic Triple H gets hurt, which is always nice in a way, um, <laughs> lovely. But but no, the the, the notion of of Benoit and Jericho going over Austin and Triple H who up to that point murdered pretty much everyone you know they, they 
beating the shit out of Taker and Kane, out the Hardys, I think by that point. Yeah. It was very much the, the, sort of the, the short-lived peak, if you like, of the two-man power trip. So to have Benoit and Jericho go over was absolutely stunning to me. And, and a, what I hoped at the time was a real nice elevation for both of them. And of course, we know how it panned out with, with Benoit just a few short weeks later. But you know, for, for that moment, as someone who who'd loved Benoit and WCW as well, you know, it just it just ticked the box for me. Yeah, it was this. This was a. It was, it was again the context of the time is very important because after Mania Seventeen with Austin as a heel, that the Taker and Kane thing just goddamn mm. so so dated, and so the, and fucking this, stale. And this felt, albeit briefly, it felt like it gave it some impetus. Yeah, a bit of freshness, a bit, a bit of spark there, a bit of a catalyst to maybe uh, you know bring things. I think the heat in the crowd's great. Um, I, I just think that the, the ebb and flow of the near falls near the end uh, is fantastic. So this this is one of the better matches in all history and, to me. And when you think Benoit who. Who'd not long been a been turned babyface, so it was only you know mm. just the basically six days prior to Mania. Yeah, you know it, it's sort of for me it was a, a nice sort of statement of intent that they would they would at least in the short term going to be committed to a, a Chris Benoit babyface push. Yeah, such is life. We know it panned out, but still, I do wouldn't have in the moment. I wouldn't know how it would have panned out if Triple H hadn't got hurt. But who knows? Either way, as a um, I think this is this is a real kind of there are certain kind of matches and moments that I think really stick in people's minds because of the kind of um, the lens they're looking through obviously because obviously Benoit and Jericho both heroes of the internet during the time um, and people were certainly lord and kind of you know touting for a Benoit Jericho push in 2000 that fell short and, and I think the the Triple H injury sort of helps play a part in, in, in sort of the, the story of the match in the sense of the way people remember it I think it's much, much more of a vivid memory for people because he was injured during the match and he sort of gutted it out and he's still got the, the spot with the walls of Jericho on the table. So that sort of that sort of vivid imagery, I think, helps it uh, certainly helps keep it fresh in my mind. Maybe if not anyone else's. Any additional comments on this one, lads? Are you happy with its placement in the top twenty-five at twenty-five? Um, yeah. Where, where did I put it again? Uh, you had this at number twenty-four. <coughs> Um, yeah, I, I uh, yeah, obviously really enjoyable match. Um, I don't have it quite in as high regard as 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 maybe some others, but uh, only just because uh, I didn't see it live at the time. Uh, obviously, saw highlights of it as you, as you would do when they recycle that moment where Triple H's career was threatened uh, or whatever. Um, and uh, I never actually got to see the match. Um, never got round to seeing it until actually last year. Okay. Funny enough. Because uh, I wasn't watching uh, the live wrestling at the time, I didn't have any, any means of watching it um, and, until uh, around Invasion time, and so it wasn't. I didn't actually just get around to watching this until until last year, and so I was really impressed with the match. Obviously, it's a really excellent match, as you said. Uh, everything Carl said, uh, spot on. You know, with the, the hot crowd and everything, and just with Benoit and Jericho, it, it did feel like really kind of fresh and exciting at the time. I I uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't know whether I'd say whether it was, uh, there was ever really a high point of the power trip, but uh, but I, I get the meaning of of Benoit and Jericho going over those two uh, at, at, at uh, you know height of their dominance. Uh, so yeah, just just a really good match. But as I said, I've only seen it once, so I can't rate it any higher. I, I made it my thirty, uh, put it in my thirty because it was just like yeah, it's it's a good solid match. Cause I wanted matches to be in there because I, as I was looking through the list that you gave me, a lot of the matches just didn't. Uh, ring home to me and so I had to put this match in um, 
because it's a great match, but I just don't hold it in quite as high regard. And there's going to be a lot of that as we go through this list, though. Personal impressions on these things. Yeah, just in general, matches... I can understand why the, the E didn't fill theirs. I haven't seen theirs, so I don't know what's in it, but why they didn't fill it with matches, because it's the presentation of the show. It's In theory, it's a hype show to get you to... In theory, it's supposed <laughs> to be, it used to be to get you to buy pay-per-views and you know spend money. So it, inherently, the biggest moments are the hooks to lead to something whereas I think throughout history, throughout history on Raw there's so few matches that really did stand up like mm. it was a special match you know it's like not just a special moment but it was that, yeah as, as a match we see match all the time that was a special match it was on Raw matches aren't presented like that on Raw probably because of the way the, it's maybe it's, it's, maybe it's my perception of the way the stories um, from week to week is progressed because why would you look back and about look back on a match and overanalyze a match that's been mm. on free TV already, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you got to be forward facing, but yeah, matches to me, they really every match on the list is going to be hot, have a hot crowd. Every all the matches to on, be on the list. Yeah, yeah, all those matches on that 150. I'm looking at them, and I had so much trouble thinking where do I rank these individually apart from the, the first one, which uh, which obviously we'll talk about. So many. Of these matches, like, okay, that's another good match. That's another good match. That's another... Oh, there's tons. What is going to elevate one over the other? It's that's, that's why, to me, that's why I've got, you've left it out. So I'll, I'll talk about it now the, the, the Iron Man match, Sean and Angle. I just, for me, that made it because it was like showing that was that, first of all, that fucking match is brilliant. It's, it's great. It's Sean <laughs> underrated, his, great. It's Sean at his absolute best. It's Angle as a badass killer at his absolute best. They're working together. It's. 30 minutes that flows absolutely beautifully and I think that, I think that's it because it was those two guys showing, showcasing those two guys what they could do great that's why I put it in there but in terms of match quality that's why I, my little caveat of mine's not a list because I really 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 struggled to differentiate where would I rank matches on this list because mm. it's just the whole it's, like, it's almost like it was two lists the, matches, the match list was it wasn't a separate thing to moments for me it was really hard to differentiate the two mm, that's what you're saying to, to, to put in how do I rank a match can compare to Tyson and Austin. I can't. Yeah, yeah. So that's my little. Yeah. That's and I'm going home now, so. <laughs> see you later. It made my top 25. What is? Angle HBK. Oh, thanks, man. <laughs> we'll move on to uh, number 23. We've got a tie for 23, so there's two things here. Uh, the first is another match. It is Shawn Michaels and John Cena. April 23rd, the one hour match from 2007 that took place in London. Um, <laughs> three votes this got. Uh, actually, there are only three things that got four votes, by the way. Uh, th- three, three moments in the history of Raw that all four of us could agree belonged in a top 30 list. So that's pretty interesting. But uh, mm. Cena and HBK, one hour in London. Carl, again, you rated this higher than anybody else. Uh, so I'll be keen to know what your, uh, your, your, your feelings, your memories, your thoughts on why this one excel. Because you rate this pretty high. Well, this, Number um, 14. Well, this, this wasn't a match I, I saw immediately at the time. Um, it was uh, I probably only saw it maybe two or three weeks later after uh, after you'd contacted me actually and said um, and you sort of you were keeping me uh, clued up with everything that was going on as I uh, was at uni at the time didn't have access to Sky and was sort of drifting in in and out of the product for for a spell and it was sort of on on your recommendation and and, and sometimes you can be apprehensive when someone recommends something to you that, that you sort of sit there and think, are they, are they are they sort of building this up too much? Is it ever, is it going to live up to expectations? So it's it's sort of a different way of of coming at it as opposed to sort of the the, the fresher perspective of 
of the of the tag the aforementioned tag match. So, but, but finally getting the chance to sit down and watch it, I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Wonderful pace, and it goes to show you, you know, there's. I always feel like there's a sort of a, a negative connotation uh, to long matches, and I think it stems in part because there's been some dull Ironman matches in, over the years, which we've talked about on this podcast. Um, I think it just goes to Triple H epics in there. Yes, yeah, very much so. But it just sort of shows me that with, with the right, the right pacing, yeah, you know, the right time, and when you got you know, HBK, who's just phenomenal, and and Cena at the, uh, could you argue this this was the sort of the peak of the the anti Cena? Yeah, I'd say brigade, it, which, it was maybe just before which, which, the year before this, but yeah, which it was still there. But but right, wrong, or otherwise, it's still fairly honest at this point. Yeah, but very true. But right, wrong, or otherwise. That always that always added to the atmosphere, and and sort of touching on Kieran's point, you're right. You're going to look at all these matches, and they are going to be hot crowds. But there's something about maybe sort of through looking through uh, through rose tinted specs in the sense of it's a match we actually got over here <laughs> that was that was worth our time for a change. <laughs> you know, it felt like it was something of consequence. They didn't follow up on that in the following years, but still. Yeah, yeah. But I just an, an exceptional match from arguably the greatest in-ring performer of all time in Sean. You've, you've been watching so much Raw, you've realised that. <laughs> <laughs> There's two uh, things that come and, out to me watching these. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> and Cena, who, for as much as certain people hate him, he's fantastic. He's brilliant. He's great. He's brilliant. He's great, and he's great. He's he's great, and when he's in there with someone who's awesome, he's, he's I don't know if it's him being led or he brings his game up. Either it, way, it just it works. It works, and this was the match where because Sean had had a great match with Cena. I thought it was underrated at WrestleMania, mm-hmm. and then they'd had and the four way came right after this, which was also mm-hmm. awesome. I remember this being the match. It's like fucking hell. Sean Michaels should be the champion right now. <laughs> like he's so outstanding at this period of time. And uh, again, I-, I liked it because this was one of the the rare roars of the time that I didn't read the spoilers about. Because obviously it's in London, so you can read the spoilers. Uh, so you tape it earlier in the day you, before it airs. And I didn't actually read it that day. So it's actually with the way they set it up, where it was Edge and Orton was going to be the main event, and we're going to do Cena and Sean at the one hour mark, and then it just goes the whole way. I was, the thing is like. Because I've been wanting to do that for ages anyway. It's like, God, wouldn't it be great if they just let they fuck with the format a little bit and, and kind of just do something that feels special and spectacular? It's like they did it. They did it with the right two guys in the perfect place. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was great. Excellent match. It comes down a lot of these things in terms of what you have in your mind. It's, it's everything's inflated by your own experience. Yeah, it's, and, and experience like if it, and if you love the match the first time so much that you wanted to watch it again and again and again, then you yeah. would have. Yeah, I agree with that. The, 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 the word it's, the key is the wording of moments. So we say moments, like, what does that ambiguous statement mean? It's what sticks out to you, surely. Yeah, the so, feeling that you get at the time yeah, in that moment. Yeah, yeah. So, that, yeah, I think that kind of sums it up perfectly. Kieran, you put this on the list too? Um, <clears throat> was all just Shawn Michaels? Well, it's funny you should say that. It's funny you should say that, because it wasn't my intention to do that, but when I watch these matches back, and I watch how much better he is than anyone else, um, yeah, that's, that's the epiphany I had. Jesus Christ, even with four years gone, that you still owe me, Sean, uh, when he was off meeting Rebecca... Uh, or whatever he was doing. Um, <laughs> a, a, he is good. He's fucking so good. Body language. <laughs> it's the story. It's the mannerisms. It's the 
I can't remember the phrase. I wrote it down somewhere. It just stuck to me. It's the, it's just the body language. The way he, it's real when he's working. It, his body is it's real and it's fu- oh god, he's so good. So fucking good. <laughs> timing, yeah, body language, timing of his body movements. Yeah, and this match is exemplary too. There's so many people. You know, this is a great match in the sense that it really does peak and kind of come up and down enough times where you think okay, now they're heading to the home stretch, and then they don't, yeah. and then it keeps going and keeps going and keeps going. It's like and it escalates to the point where it's like god damn, this is. Great. Yeah, obviously, it wasn't advertised as an Iron Man, so that helps. Because, yeah, yeah. Um, but they, they they started slow, and um, they yeah they didn't they didn't start fast. The, the crowd they were with them, they were paying attention, but they they it was the work that captured the attention, and you know no no one lost interest in this match. No, no, and, and it just grew and grew, and just before too long, it's like Jesus Christ, how long has this match, has this match gone? It's still going on, it's, but it flew by. But it did, it did. Great, great work. Yeah, honestly, I don't. I don't obviously quite remember this, but um, did they? Do you remember at the time? Did they do the whole thing where, like, on the commentary or whatever, did they constantly remind you that there was a time limit on this match? No, you know well, how they sometimes do that. There was no time, time limit. There's yeah. no time. Yeah, they, but, but, but even mention that. There no. was no time. You know when sometimes they do that and they mention, oh, but FYI, guys, it's a twenty minute time limit. Like, oh, they're going to a draw then. No. You know something like that where they pre. Yeah. It, they didn't didn't prefab. Well, it, it ended like the fifty minute mark or something like that. The fifty two yeah. minutes. So it's like Sean pins him with a kick. Just great. It was beautiful. Yeah, yeah, awesome Damn. finish, Super, awesome finish. Super kicks better than the stunner. He, he can hit it out. Oh, the way he hits it, the drama, the way he just falls back, he's dead. But he lands on top of the guy. Oh, go on, Sean. It's instinct. One, two, three. <laughs> now let's go. Does, to- does anybody want to switch seats? <laughs> <laughs> Tied at twenty third is the first ever draft show. Uh, it is March twenty fifth, two thousand and two. Uh, a, a kind of again the, the, the kind of. Um, demarcation of what a moment match is that makes this list very ambiguous all about the moments first ever draft show got one two votes around this table Carl you put it in as number 27 it makes the list based on G's ranking of this who placed at number 3 all time uh, a show that you absolutely adore G so uh, go ahead Jesus fucking Christ (laughs) another reason to dislike you G (laughs) um it's uh yeah wow it's just uh, okay interesting um yeah i mean with uh without obviously giving uh too much away as the results with with my f- top five i got quite a bit of a a different range you know i got like a kind of a comedic performance in there which was the rock concert you know i got like a, a debut uh a promo a match and then you know an entire show uh for this one uh this is just uh you know the epitome of um rose-tinted nostalgia uh, to be honest uh, just 2002 I just find to be a fascinating year in wrestling uh, the most fascinating year uh, due to uh, just what happened and there's like there's freaking fuck tons that happened that year to talk about uh, how 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 it, how it just changes from uh, literally one month to the next and right slap bang in the middle of that you have this draft which uh, obviously we know in the history of the long run, <laughs> just splitting up uh, the company into two feuding parts just does not work. Um, but there was something about this draft that felt special, and um, uh, at the time, and even still now, when I kind of watch it back, and I think it's because obviously we were getting that expanded roster a little bit. Um, you know, yeah, okay, we got quite a few WCW rejects in there, but we were starting to get like other names coming in. Uh, as well and so it, it it kind of felt like okay they can kind of do you know the split here and it, it, I don't know it's just like this kind of morbid Frankenstein's monster kind of thing of just like okay let's just see where they go with this and the actual show itself whilst 
it's like some like the matches that are on it are pretty much like nonsense anyway they're not really kind of there for any reason it was, it was just something about the whole process of it that I just enjoyed I thought I, I enjoyed like Flair and Vince going back and forth on this I liked how they did this in comparison to how they've done the drafts uh, I'm particularly thinking the more recent one which was fucking atrocious it was just it was a lot more simply planned where you kind of had like uh, okay, they got over the the uh, dangerous question of who goes first, Rock or Austin, by having Austin be the free agent, so that makes it easy. Rock's going to be number one choice. Obviously, Undertaker has to be the second. But mm. yeah, it's sarcasm. Um, and uh, but, but it was I, I just like the dynamic of Flair and Vince coming up to the podiums, and then like it's been like relatively applicable at first and then getting more and more kind of testy like I think like I can't remember if Brock did Brock debut on that no, show or no. Did, no something like the week before so it's like he, he came in he did another one of his run-ins and like uh, on Rikishi and uh, Vince just comes up straight away and just says right Brock Lesnar he's coming to Smackdown and just Flair coming out saying it wasn't your go it's my go next and Vince just in classic Vince way just like shrugs it off going well you know you just have the next two then and it's like Flair's like no you're not cheating, and then he turns around and he steals it from him, and it's yeah. just like the way this Vince, the Vince character portrays those kind of great moments. Way to put Brock over too. Yeah, yeah, a great way to put Brock over. I mean, it was, if it wasn't his debut, it was like his second or third appearance on on, on the main uh, roster, and it just made such a big deal out of Brock, which is very appropriate considering the booking that they would go with him uh, going on from that year. Um, it was just like those little kind of interactions. It was just like the fun moments where the two different camps were like really funny. Obviously, you're gonna have like Ric Flair with good uh, old, with good old dad, d- double A, double A in the war room, who would always be my uh, right hand general uh, uh, when uh, when doing the drafts. Uh, well, d- good old double A. Arm could use by that point. <laughs> <laughs> Barely open his uh, can of beer with. Um, uh, so, so it's always great just to see Arn, you know, just following on from his fabulous uh, spinebuster. Uh, so always entertaining. And then uh, just actually, like, even better on the other side, yeah. you got Vince and Kurt Angle. Just Kurt Angle, just like... He's he, 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 he so underrated as a corporate stooge <laughs> in this, you know, because they always go, like, Patterson, Briscoe, or whatever, and then, like, all the other ones they've had in the past. He was beautiful in this role, where he's just like, he's still offended that he wasn't picked first. It's just the interaction between him and Vince, where it's like, of course he's not going to pick you first, Kurt, it's fucking rock. But it's just a great little thing, and like Kurt trying to like give him advice read, read, and stuff. Reading his like resume. Yeah, yeah, reading, yeah. It's just the back and forth between those two was just really entertaining. So it was just, there's something just uh, really nostalgic about the show for me, where it's just like, it was just a very interesting show uh, with some good fun dynamics. And uh, yeah, it was just interesting to see how it lies, and they've never really, uh, and obviously so, have never really topped it since. So there's never been a draft uh, that's been interesting again. And uh, I don't know because as as we've done when we've, uh, we've 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 played on the wrestling games and so on, like uh, I always enjoy uh, a good, good draft. draft. I always enjoy a good draft for some reason. And so I thought I thought it a bit. Uh, whilst it might not be everyone's cup of tea, um, I just felt it had to be in there because it's just a memorable show that uh, from a memorable year. So it had to be in there. I will say 2002 is a very memorable year, and there is a series that we're going to do on 2002 in the very, very near future. So yeah, we are we are awesome. going to hit, hit that idea. Um, but yeah, so I, I liked this show a lot as well. I think for me, the reason I kind of kept it out of my top list, I did consider it quite strong. So again, same like you, I, I did like the the idea. It was very very novel. They're going to split the roster, they're going to do the draft, and I just remember watching it and thinking like, why the fuck is Mark Henry been picked on this show of all people? 
That really There's bothered me. Really there was some that's that, that was yeah. Rikishi. Rikishi. Big, I just I just remember the re one of the reasons. Yeah, the reason I didn't. Yeah, and Vince is like, Flair, you picked a woman in your top ten. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Which is great. Cut forwards. Yeah. <laughs> why, why didn't they play that on Raw 25 this week? Yeah. But yeah, again, just like the way that he's like, man, they're doing this draft, and I couldn't give a fuck about watching Raw. Undertaker, NWO, Kane is your top pick. It's like, fuck this. Yeah, took Big him, show! It took him ages to get to RBD. Yeah, Van Damme. Oh, Jesus. Well, time Smackdown again, like The Rock <laughs> and <laughs> Chris Benoit. They're cleaning up. It's just like, Jesus. They make like, oh, I'm telling something. <laughs> Jesus. He's a, he's a former horseman. Get Benoit in there. Where's Guerrero? Come on. That's where I didn't um, put it in as well. In build up to it, it's very exciting because it's never happened before. It's the fantasy of a draft. What, what team are you going to love be? Love a Madden draft. Yeah, love yeah. a Madden draft. And But then, in practice, it's, it was just, I've always been disappointed with it. It's like, the, nonsensical. Like, what the fuck? You're not present. Why have you got that person in that? You know, you've just shit all over your own fucking... It's the way they do it, like, in their chest out there, picking people back and forth randomly. It's like, well, I pick Edge. Well, I pick Big Show. Oh, yeah. Well, I pick Rikishi. Yeah, Why? They go back and forth, yeah, and it's just like, yeah. They split up Bubba and Devon for no reason here, which is just a terrible idea at the time. Yeah, it kind of always kind of falls apart, like, the fact that they're going back and forth so quickly that they're not actually thinking about yeah, their yeah. picks. They're literally just coming to the first thing, oh, well, you picked a fat ass, so I'll pick another fat ass then. Yeah. You know, they're just going back, they're not even thinking because the feud between them is like, yeah, uh, clouding like, their yeah, judgment, their judgment and that's the, why it's your third favorite thing to, to have the, to the point to the point where it's like you know they they pick Lito on there and stuff. It's just like uh, and they and they split up the hard uh, no hardy boys. They split up the Dudley boys and all mm. that stuff and. Uh, yeah, yeah that, that didn't quite work out well. <laughs> but again, Nostalgia is a very strong factor, so there you go. Now, moving on to the... Uh, I have kind of fond memories of, actually. Uh, at number 22, it is Hogan and The Rock facing off on February 18th, 2002, and the uh, consequential NWO beatdown of The Rock that follows, uh, which I rated uh, pretty high on this list. Carl, you had it on yours, too. Uh, G and Kieran did not vote for this, but uh, I really like this. Um at the time again I was a big NWO fan and was was this the looks <laughs> and they did the looks yeah, yeah. I, I'll put that in then yeah but it, was, but it wasn't the bit <laughs> was that the bit where he fucking runs them down after that yeah that comes afterwards in the same segment no there's a break and then they but do that well that's, that's I'm connecting the two together I can, I can certainly understand yeah, if people Honestly, didn't like the uh, the ambulance crashing deal that Hogan did like, I can certainly give that but the segment that I think in my head and it's hard to separate because it's, it's a segment and a commercial and a segment whatever is the Hogan Rock face off where they're doing the whole build to because Hogan's he's like I like the NWO I, I, you know not near when it sucked dick but like when it you know I have very fond memories of being an enormous wrestling fan and WCW and the NWO angle taken off and all that stuff it's like okay what are they going to do I've seen this done right can the WF do this right they just fucked up the invasion <laughs> so it's like this they is can't fuck something else up can't <laughs> they? it's like two in a row Hogan back this is odd Hall back Ooh. Nash I didn't have a high opinion of at the time even though it's Alexa's favourite wrestler apparently in my house this is unfortunate but uh yeah so uh, yeah, who knows what this is going to be and I was very underwhelmed when they debuted at the NBO pay-per-view the, uh, the oh, no just, oh, yeah. just strolling out at the start, top of the show stunk it's like oh Christ this against... isn't that isn't that so reminiscent of stuff they've done in recent years yeah They've got something that you, if you treat it differently, yeah. it can be different and special. But if you just force it into your own little mould, it's just a fucking, it's just anything else. And it sucks. And it, sh it sucked on that show. So the reason why I like this, because one day later, they do the thing where Hogan comes out and gets the, the reaction he gets. And The Rock comes out and they do the, the face-off. And it is awesome. The crowd's really great because they're with The Rock. 
And when they do the stare down, they're doing the, the looks at the fans, and you can hear that kind of underground swell of Hogan chants. It's like, what the fuck is going on here? And it is a very moment in time kind of odd little thing. They do the handshake, Rock is in the Rock Bartman and all that. And when Rock leaves to go up the stage, like, okay, it's a, again very WWE typical segments. He does, he does the salute at the stage, turns around, and there's Scott Hall punch him in the face, and they just kick the dog shit out of him. And it's great. It's like, this is the beatdown that I wanted to see when they debuted. It was like, you know, razor's edge, jackknife, yeah. leg drop, yeah. spray paint. Fucking great. Like, oh, yes. That's what this should be. And then, of course, moments later, he, he drives a semi-truck into yeah. an ambulance and kind of undoes some of that work. But it's a standalone moment. I love this, because this was, a, this was great fun just to see. Again, Hogan's back and seeing how Hogan's going to be in this environment that seems like it's moved on like 20 years since he was last here and yeah, here same. he is with Rock and Rock just like, oh it's great and it's just, it's just it's two guys who are just exceptional workers in terms of dealing with the people at the same time in the same place and I always like that stuff when you get to see those elite level you know, manipulators oh, of the crowd to, to see them with the facial expressions and Hogan's fucking class with the little facial expressions and they're you know thinking that fucking walrus pussy does <laughs> Yeah, two two absolute. Uh, yeah, I'll start the sentence again. Two absolute uh, master manipulators um, at the peak of their powers. There, but I don't even. It's it felt very odd to start with because by that stage I was always of the belief, uh, maybe somewhat foolishly, that we would never see Hogan in a WWE ring again. Quite frankly, I hope that would be the case <laughs> by by the end of the, the war. And. Um, and like you said, there's there's concerns because of how they've done the invasion angle prior to that. So you know, when when you think about the NWO and are they going to make a success of it, you sort of sit there and think, did I really want to see that in the first place? Probably not. But now that they've brought it back, can they make it work? All signs probably point to no. <laughs> but then you get this moment, and I don't want to sound too hyperbolic, but to me, when you when I think of raw moments and just images that. That stick out in my mind as some, some in some way iconic. The stare off with the tilting of the head one way and the other is just jarring. Yeah. And the crowd are absolutely eating it up. You know, it's unfortunate that in years since then they've sort of bastardised moments like that by getting to March every year and someone pointing to a sign. Or, <laughs> you know, you know they. Like, the other guys go, "What? What are you pointing at?" What do you want, mate? <laughs> I'm stood over here. Come on, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and it helps him. At least in my case, I'm able to compartmentalise the, uh, yeah, the aftermath. That's the word. I'm able to sort of put that to one side <laughs> and just enjoy the stare down for what it is. I'd have been fine if they never had any contact at that stage. If they'd have just sort of you know, backed away from each other and we'd have gone into next week. But just, just for that one moment, because you sat there and you got all these doubts, you think, Rock and Hogan. Mm, well, is this going to work? Oh, the crowd ain't it? Oh, screw it, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, Scott Hall doing the edge and doing the old razor, the, yeah. the fist pumps yeah. like that's yeah, that ace. That was, awesome. that was ace, mate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I can certainly see, like I say, if you can't compartmentalize, as you say, Carl, then I certainly can. Uh, I can, I can certainly. I understand that. I mean, yeah, obviously at the time I, I was obviously hyped about it as well, being a rock fan and so on, and I actually had uh, falsely uh, high hopes for the NWO in, in WWE. I thought, no way can they fuck uh, this up. And, um, yeah, I, th I think probably the reason why I didn't rank it at all in there is, as I said, I can't split up the two angles at all. It is all one angle. 
um, and I just I just generally hate those type of things that are like driving something into something else or like you know <laughs> oh we're gonna lift up a, a car in a crane and drop it or yeah. drop something on the car it's just, I've never liked those angles and I, I get the sense that Austin isn't gonna feature very heavily on the <laughs> <Yeah>. list uh, <laughs> And it's just, uh, yeah, so I don't, um, yeah, I don't kind of like enjoy those kind of like, like you know, uh, road rage kind of like hit and run kind of things. But, um, and, and I think also probably the reason what might slightly dilute this for me as well is because they literally recreate that moment again on the actual night. The yeah, with the face to face, they actually do it again. So, in the show, so when I think of it, I always just think of that one where the crowd's even bigger and even hotter for it, and they're standing looking at each other, and they're actually in the wrestling gear now. They're not just sat there where like they're not really going to do anything. They're just like talking, but now it's the actual action's there. So because like the situation's kind of replicated in a more inf more famous uh, infamous setting, uh, I think that maybe just di dilutes it for me a little bit. See, I actually. Um didn't put it on the list because for that very reason when I thought of the face to face and the head tilt I associated it with a match yeah completely yeah. until you until you just said and went to walk through I forgot that happened before that angle so uh, yeah there you go there you go there you go moving now to number 21 on the list um, it is and uh, I was kind of pleasantly surprised this made the cut but it did the uh, the ECW invasion angle and the Paul Heyman heel turn on July 9th 2001 uh, this is where the um, the invasion was not going so well with WCW Buff Bagwell had really fucked the dog the week before um, <laughs> um, <laughs> in a match that's still bringing Carl to, to vomit here at the table <laughs> yep he's dead he's going I'm not going to cut that out either <laughs> Listen to that angst for birth. <laughs> oh, <Jesus. laughs> it was that bad, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, Trust I us. think I just took the wrong stuff. <laughs> <laughs> One week later, their way to try and fix this failing, struggling invasion angle uh, was to have uh, Rob Van Dam and Tommy Dreamer, your boy Kieran, show up in the crowd in the middle of a tag match uh, with uh, with Lance Storm and Mike Awesome against Kane and Jericho and uh, and yeah it was just very very shocking to see uh, Van Damme and Dreamer there and then when they did that at the great moment when all the because you know, they'd done these kind of WCW run-ins and, and, and you know, the ref here come there the, the, the ref C team is running down the aisle and they get in the ring and then that's kind of that moment of realisation of they're all ECW guys and they do the slow turnaround all at once and meanwhile Heyman on commentary with Jim was like Live this moment for the rest of your life, and it's just—I love that. I look again, self-contained angle as it is. They just kick the shit out of Jericho and Kane, all ten of them. Heyman gets in the ring and cuts the great promo, and I love it because it's like, yo, if you don't put this on your list because they fucked it up the same show. <laughs> again, it's, it's the Hogan Rock uh, semi truck incident kind of comparison yeah. here. And so this is where I come across as a complete hypocrite <laughs> and bitter badge I wear with honour. Because you cannot decompartmentalise this. I cannot separate the two. Just because as, as much, you know, whilst I don't like the angle that follows with Rock and Hogan with the uh, semi uh, sort of trailer truck in, into the ambulance all that sort of thing, whilst, whilst I don't like that, I absolutely detest the announcement of, Ste of Stephanie as owner and a merger of ECW and WCW. Mm. It just it sticks in the craw and I just I just can't uh, disassociate the two. Yeah, I had this ranked pretty high originally and then eventually the more I thought about it and thought about it, I was like, you know what? Nah, this is going down the list. I put it on the list still. I did rank it pretty uh, pretty decently. Um, but yeah, this one just was nowhere near the top 15. Because the, the initial part is so fantastic it's and, great it's and, a great and, moment and you sit there and you think oh, yeah, 
ECWs or the, the quote-unquote renegade promotion. It's the cool have, one. Don't be so cool in the slightest. You know, have them as the fly in the ointment, the sort of the, dis, the disruptor, you know, sort of most... Take sort on of both gor- sides. Guerrilla warfare sort of tactics, that sort of... Like a Vincent Christ. You know, that sort of backdrop. You can, this is Van Damme. Yeah, and you can, Van Damme have been like can, a hero you, to like the fucking can, internet fans for like can, a year at least. Yeah, you can see that being a, being a really cool dynamic and instead... And dreamer. You, well, you know, you can't have everything. <laughs> Unless you're Tommy Dreamer at a buffet, in which case. <laughs> um, You've got two hours, Tommy. <laughs> you walrus. Um, but yeah, to then just drop so low to the point where you're not even going to get great Heyman promos every week because Heyman is now the third wheel. Mm. Yeah. And it's just. Oh God! It's the, it's you know you sit and think, well, this is all just the backdrop for the McMahon's that you feared it would be on its worst day. Yeah, yeah. Gee, this was uh, number ten, I believe, on your list. Uh, so this was this was very very high. Yeah. I don't think you have a strong sentence for ECW around the time. Is that the uh, the base for this? Um, uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, there are kind of times that I I can. Uh, slightly kind of break the two apart <laughs> I'll be hypocrite as well um, uh, though, though at times when, when you kind of like remind me of stuff like that uh, it does kind of make me reconsider but, but I'll tell you why I, should, why I put it up there because I was thinking generally about because when I saw you put it up there uh, I, I didn't see the part where you said 2001 it just said ECW Invasion I was like oh which one because there's been so many, you know, there's one like in 97, which was pretty good, good. Uh, there's one in 2005, six, something like that, which was, uh, I think actually probably both years actually, uh, which were fun for various different reasons, but this is the one that stuck out for me, and uh, the reason why, uh, I, I, everything that you said, like Rob Van Dam, awesome, just to see him there, that was just like great at the time, and uh, also just the, the general angle, how they actually carried it across, as you said, that they're all in the ring, you just, it's that slow... It's that slow realization before even the turnaround, where you just think like, in my head, I'm just counting in my head, going like, they're all, they're all ECW guys, like they all used to be ECW guys. What's going on here? And just like that kind of nice little like, like turn moment. And he said like how how Heyman, you know, sells it. You know, you want answers. You know, it turns out it's, um, it's uh, I can't put how he phrases it. Yeah, so, so, yeah, something like also something like it's, um, I think it's uh, something about his. It's too extreme or something like that. Something that's too extreme for WCW versus WWF or something like that. It needs ECW in it, and it was just like really exciting because at the time I'd only just started watching ECW. I'm sorry, guys. I was late. I was late to the freaking party. I'd started watching when they went out of business. Um, so I, like I just kind of catched up, and I was like, I was in the early stages of watching it. So I was like, I bought like Anarchy Rules uh, '99 and stuff like that, in November to remember and so on. Just watching it, getting the gist of what ECW was like. It was fucking hot for Van Damme, and so like I just caught it right at the right time, where as they're coming in, like Van Damme actually kind of meant something, um, and so it was it was just exciting. It was just like as you said, it was that cool thing because you could turn around and say that WCW wasn't was never really cool, but it most certainly this version wasn't cool because it didn't have any of the names in it outside of DDP and Booker T. So like so this definitely wasn't the cool group, and yet ECW. What was great about this is because whilst WCW didn't have its major stars, the ECW one if you want to call them stars, did. Because they had Rob Van Dam, Taz, Raven, Dudleys, Rhino. Yeah, they had the people who had been previous like world champions there, had been like, you know, focal points. 
Mike Awesome, whatever, you know, all the guys that had actually been focal points. So it's like, okay, whilst they're like slightly low on the totem pole of, of the WCW in terms of like, like the visual aspect of it, it's like they were the cool group and now this is interesting. And it was that initial dynamic of like, they're like the third team who are literally just going to fucking fuck everything up because they're the extreme guys. And it was like, okay, this is interesting. Where's this going now with these three pieces? It's like your chess, chess usually played between two players, not three. How's this going to work? And yeah, they did fuck it up. But then there's 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 a few more um, moments in my top ten where there's literally a great moment followed by then they fucked it up. Um, but as we said, we're going by moments, and for me, I can separate those two. And it was just a really good, great ECW moment. And I thought there has to be for me an ECW moment in my top ten. You can separate the two but you're wrong to do so <laughs> because gee you see where while the execution of the angle that first angle was brilliant and that's what it helped so much the reason it meant so much to all of us was the authenticity of the angle it was like shit yes they are all ECW guys and hang on a minute oh fuck hang on a second what's happening here what's Heyman doing oh this could be fucking the balls <laughs> and, and it was for about 20 minutes yeah and it wasn't because then they shit all over it with the most inauthentic thing I'll tell you what though right before they did fuck it up the when they do the uh, the 10 on 10 match is, is where the, the swerve comes when they're all walking down the aisle single file oh, yes. oh my awesome. god yeah, they look military yeah it was like brilliant. this is these guys like, that is the way that this angle should go and of course like you say they did, yeah. they did piss it away moving along now we have another tie we have two ties in a row here actually at number 19 we have two things tied first of all it is the retirement of the nature boy Ric Flair from uh, March 31st 2008 Carl you and I both voted for this uh, and rated it in our top 15 both of us well, I, I can understand the criticism that Flair didn't leave the memories alone <laughs> <laughs> however yeah, if I'm going to look at at one sort of moment for just pure unadulterated nostalgia that just brings a smile to my face as much as it does blubbering to Ric Flair's <laughs> it's this angle I believe he's crying right now listening to this podcast actually and hearing, hearing us talk about him I thought that's what I could hear faintly in the distance <laughs> <laughs> woo <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no you know it's you know they you know, I thought despite what happens afterwards for all intents and purposes the emotion is genuine, so it, oh, yeah. you know it helps, and the opportunity to get to see all your old favourites, you know, on Steamboat, Greg Valentine's there for some reason, but you know, <laughs> but uh, you know, to, to see to see all these faces from the past that I absolutely loved, it's just you know, gives me a, a warm fuzzy feeling in the area where my heart should be located. Hmm. Yeah. So I I. I... I was not a big fan of the way they built the Flair's retirement. I thought they did a pretty shitty job, actually, of uh, the kind of what could oh, have oh, been oh, oh, it was, could have been great. It, it was absolutely haphazard. I, I won't, I won't argue that at all. Slapdash fugly, and for it to end the way it did, it's like okay, at least they put him in there with the right guy in the right match, and and but it's like really, it's like to me, it's like it's all about this. We know he's retiring anyway, so just you know, do what you're gonna do. And then from to do it the way they did, where you obviously got the video package and you got the family and everybody coming out there and Vince comes out all bold and brash and hugs Flair too. It's like Yeah, it's just like it, it was like they did that thing that made the DVD, the Flair's D V D like two thousand three when Flair had like no confidence in the Tron like give him a little bit back. I know it was two thousand two I think. 
And um, well, they, like, they, it's in Greensboro, I think, then as well, where they kind of they put them on the shoulders and they parade them around and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, after the match, the match with, Triple, uh, H. With Triple H, yeah. Yeah, and it's like that's, that's kind of cool, and that kind of like lived as like a DVD moment. And to actually kind of see this play out on Raw, it's like they hadn't, you know, this this hadn't really happened before. The the big retirement ceremony, it would become kind of a pattern with like Sean and Edge afterwards, and and again Flair cheated himself by going to TNA. Um, so again, if if that if that affects if that's your uh, opinion of this, again I can certainly agree. But uh, I thought the execution of this standalone was like, it's Flair. At that point, I had a lot of goodwill towards uh, Flair and thought, you know, if he's going to go out, he needs it, it should be big, and this was big, and it felt uh, I thought it was really good. Yeah, it, it, it's all about being fair to Flair, and this was definitely fair. Um, yeah, I, can, I can't disagree with the sentiments of it. As I said, um, whilst I agree with you in terms of the build-up to his eventual retirement wasn't best handled, um, I, for one, I I thought the actual match itself that they did, I thought, was was really good. You know, and outside of just the obvious, you know, Sean carrying him, I just thought the emotions of that match was fantastic you know the, the I'm sorry I love you and all that stuff and just like hate I love that bit I love that bit because I love that bit where like Flair's like he's, he's, he's trying to get back up and he's, he's, he's got crying, tears, he's yeah. crying and it's almost that thing of like I know I'm done I know I'm done and it's just like but I'm gonna I'm gonna take it standing <laughs> up and it's just like just Sean just executes him beautifully and it's just like that was that was excellent like real like great emotion to it to like arguably the best performer you know uh, the best wrestler uh, in Ric Flair and you know they do this great thing on Raw and emotional, and it's got this thing where like I'm seeing it more and more now. The more I watch Ric Flair, the more I like I love the guy. Like old, old, like classic, not old Ric Flair as in now, but classic Ric Flair. Where like when I see him get like emotional, he somehow makes me emotional as well. Like I kind of like if it's something, something upsets him a little bit, it upsets me, or like it makes me happy too. Like something about him that I kind of get drawn to, which is weird considering he made his name as a heel, uh, but as a babyface, it's just I, yeah, it's just um, there's something about him where I, I kind of feel the same emotion with him. And so I, I, I thought it was fantastic. If it stayed there, and it didn't, and he fucking shat on everything <laughs> by going to TNA, and and so then I can't. It, it, it kind of stains it really. And again, this is again this is a hypocrite's corner really. You know, with some of the other things, I'll talk about being great that fuck up. This was just a, a real sour note because it was just like this one I can't let go of as being a real sour note for me because it was like, man, they gave you. A great way out. The build-up to may not been great, but you wrestled Sean. You wrestled the best in the company, and Sean put you through a good match, an emotional match. And then for him to shit it up by, you know, forty-four, you know, in like <laughs> TNA and all that shit. It was just like it just it just it was just that thing. Like it's like man, you know, when and when you think of things like with like Edge, where Edge didn't have a choice in in, in his retirement, he didn't have a choice that Del Rio was going to be his last match. Just imagine how to live with that. <laughs> just imagine how to live with Del Rio being your last match, right? And and so like Edge didn't get a choice, uh, but yeah, he he retired and he retired properly. Flair had had the choice. He had the perfect retirement, and then he just shat on it. And it's just that thing of like, well, I know it's a wrestling business, and this is always the case, but it's just like, man, retirements mean nothing to people. And it's like you still get the you get still get the same people like good old Sean, uh, like who 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 stands by his retirement or whatever, and like Edge and people like that who have to retire no matter what. But it's just this one really sticks in my craw. It's like, man, they they really gave you a great send off. And you just had to fuck it because you had to have another divorce, and you had to say, pay, you had to say, say more. It may, <laughs> divorce it, money. It, it may stick in your craw, but a send off yeah. with Sean doesn't keep the bailiffs away from the door. Yeah, exactly. So because of that, it just, uh, I just, 
it's like man they gave it to you on a fucking plate man it was the great way out for your career and you just had to piss it away and it's also I think that was like last time before like we started getting like the really kind of bad dodgy kind of Ric Flair <laughs> stuff where you just started thinking like oh Rick what like, are you doing like, like, it, used to get like iced it, it, in it, TNA. It, yeah it wasn't like as bad yet it was still like you were still kind of like that's Ric Flair and like now it's just like you just look at him and go oh Rick what are you doing alright moving along now to the one that tied at number 19 it is another match it is Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit Steel Cage what from uh, June 11th 2001 uh, sitting at number 19 uh, so this is going to be a, a very interesting one to talk about uh, this did get three votes uh, G you rated this high you rated this at your number 9 all time uh, Kieran this made your list Carl you got it on there too I was the only one that didn't May thir- number 30 I think for me yeah yeah, so you're, you're number actually, thirty. You didn't actually make my list. Not though. top, not twenty-five. Not top twenty-five. You did vote for it though. I voted you gave for it a it. point, which is the key. I just so, so talk about it first. Kieran. I'm going to talk yeah. about this match. I just <laughs> I understand completely why this match is in because I put it. I voted for myself. It has to go on that the moonsault. It's you know, and then the headbutt. Head, but the German off the top rope. Fantastic. Kurt, what are you doing? But I'm sorry. Steve on commentary. Steve on commentary is, is probably worse. It's going to be then he comes off the top with a belly flop. <laughs> that, Steve was absolutely majestic on commentary, but it's like watching this match back compared to like, I watched this back to back with the Iron Man match, which oh, yeah. I'm still salty that's not on this list. And this match is just a fucking, like a four move spot fest compared to that match. It does. It's two guys fucking killing each other, and again, is that sensitivity thing so far down the line? Probably not with me because I think I, I'm less sensitive than most people to this sort of thing. But it's a spot fest, and the spots are killing the two guys in there. And I just, as, as a pure wrestling match, no, I just I've preferred so many matches on this on this list better than this. That was the reason why I didn't vote for it. It, it, I, it got I, completely in for the met for that iconography of the moves, but. That is all. Absolutely, that's all. Yeah. It is really funny. I think it's a very, very good match. But like you say, if like, first of all, the emotion watching it, it's like, that was... I remember th- at the time thinking, that was fucking incredible. That was ridiculous. A moon's off the top of the cage. The head buffs off the cage, which Benoit had done before in WCW and stuff. But still, this is insane. And at the time, it's like, why the fuck did Angle win? Because Benoit's getting the push. <laughs> like, that was... I know that Austin cost him the match. But it's like, at the time, I, I, I left... Again, we talk about the things that kind of stick with you from the, the moments of the time and the impact. It's like I just remember as as good as I thought the match was, it kind of left me a little cold because I thought that the fin I didn't like the finish at the time. It made no sense. Uh, it was Kurt over the top, wasn't it? Yeah, Kurt over the top, and then, yeah, and, then, and Austin slams the door. So, and and the the whole build to that. So the build to the headbutt. First of all, Benoit he could have got out. He could have walked out the cage. Mm. Austin's Austin's there no, with Austin, the chair on the floor. He, when he yeah, he, the he is eventually. Yeah, so he is eventually. But the reason why does Benoit climb to the top rope when he could have just walked out the front? Decides not to. Later on in the match, um, Austin is holding that it, it shut with the bolt. So then it's like okay, that, that's why he, I think that's for Kurt. That's why Kurt doesn't go out. And Kurt gives Ang- uh, Austin a look, and Austin okay. So yeah, that's when Kurt decides to go to the top himself. From that point, it makes sense. But the point of why Benoit climbs to the top to jump off, Benoit climbs up. Everyone thinks he's going to jump off anyway. Then he goes to, then he looks down at Austin, like, and Austin's there with the chair. So that's the reason why Benoit turns around and does the headbutt. But it, that wasn't the reason to start with. So and Austin wasn't there to start. So it made no fucking sense. Walk out the door, you fucking moron, you murderer. <laughs> um, so that I mean that's slight logic, but it just it's just spot fest. It's, it's that's fine. It's great. It's two fucking awesome workers. They're still working their asses off. But compared to other matches and other bodies of work these guys have had, it's it was spectacular nothing else okay Carl 
You did put this on your list? Um, they certainly had better matches. I wouldn't argue that. Uh, Royal Rumble 2003 sticks out uh, to mind. Um, but even so, and you're not wrong, Kieran, when when you say it's it's sort of spot best, but but it is still too great work because I I do love the the involvement of Austin and those those two spots for as sort of ill-advised as they may be further down the line and somewhat lacking in uh, in logic during the, uh, the sort of the story of the match just you know that I think you used the word iconography someone used that or did I imagine I, that I, I used it I might have used it incorrectly though but I did, I did say that word yes well right context wrong context it, it it, it helps put the emphasis for me on those two spots because they do for whatever reason those the, the more so the Kurt moonsault off the top of the cage because it's such wonderful hang time the man can fly yeah. so he bounced off the mat with his arms <laughs> by his sides oh, yeah. for me it's like how are your knee fucking yeah he can fly but he can't really fucking walk anymore so. Well, you can get around, I suppose. Look, when you reach a certain age, you always walk with an arched back. <laughs> um, no, yeah, but the, no, the, the Kurt Moonsault just sticks in my mind a lot more vividly than any Jeff Hardy swanton from a great height or Shane jump off a cage from a great height. Maybe it's because it's the individual involved and I care far more about Kurt Angle than I do Shane McMahon or Jeff Hardy even on their best day but I, I put it in my list and I stand by it. Yeah, so I had a number nine. Yeah, um, uh, I didn't watch this at the time in which it happened. Uh, I watched it many, 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 many years later just as in a couple of years ago. So in terms of like how it fits in in terms of chronology of like what was happening before and after it uh, it doesn't affect me at all. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's a non-factor for me. But so if it was like Ben Moore was getting the push, but Angle went over, it doesn't compute with me. Um, so I just kind of went into it, just kind of hearing it, just constantly on the great ones. It's pretty similar to the to the, the tag match, mm. uh, where you just keep hearing people say, "Oh, that was a really good match, though." And it's like, "Yeah, but it's a Raw match, so how good are those really?" And um, and just thinking, "Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna check this out." And yeah, I could see how it's sort of like a spot fest, but then. We are on the fumes of the Attitude Era, and so uh, that's uh, that's how they're going to wrestle. But it's, I just it, it is it is a spectacle. It is a spectacle to watch. It's just it's absolutely insane. It's it's watching Benoit and Angle, and it's whilst it's a a marvelous spectacle to watch. It's also, uh, it's almost ironically like uh, almost like a video you should show uh, budding young wrestlers on what not to do. Uh, if you want a long career, you know, kind of like same as if you put like a you know Shabbat's final match up, you know, it's like don't do that because that's what happens to you. You know, you get fucked up, and you know, obviously, what what generally happened to to both guys uh, down the line. Not saying this exclusively because of this match, but it sure as hell didn't freaking help uh, any matters either. But so whilst you kind of got that like in your head, I'm pretty similar to what Kieran says. I can kind of briefly disassociate any kind of uh, facts that you know one guy can you know barely freaking move and, and the other guy can't move at all now and it's just um i, I no it was, it was just a spectacle of the match it's just like watching it and just seeing it for the first time and just never seen anything like it again and for good reason uh thankfully for good reason so it just it just remains that like spectacle same way as like you know the great spectacle of edge you know spearing jeff 
uh, you know, in TLC, like it's just those <coughs> moments that kind of live with you. And it's like, we're talking about moments here that just, just resonate with you. And even though this was something I didn't watch at the time, it was something I watched later on. I just remember watching it just going like, fuck me, what were these two on? I think, I think actually, I think, I think, <laughs> well, yeah, uh, I think actually what led me to it is I actually, I think I remember now it's when, when um, it was actually, I think I might have watched it last year. It was when Kurt came back to the company and um, he was, uh, he did like a podcast. He was just talking about like matches in general. And he mentioned Benoit because he doesn't seem to have any problem mentioning uh, Benoit in interviews now. And uh, he just mentioned that match. He was just talking about like how they planned it and how they set it up and like how he felt doing it and afterwards. And I just went, well, I've got to watch this match. And just w watching it back, it was just, um, yeah, it's, it's just a spectacle. It's just fucking insane. It's like, it's like these two were, <laughs> these two were trying to, fucking kill each other or, 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 or like kill themselves on it and it was just like for like almost you almost say for what really in the long run but it was just like it's almost it's almost like a positive influence of it but also a negative influence of what the attitude deal was like as I said they're running on fumes at this point where it's like that's kind of what the attitude deal was like where it was balls to the wall you know you're thinking Mankind Rocket Royal Rumble and so on these are the type of performances we got uh, well, which is whilst that's like yeah that's why Attitude was so entertaining but it's also like why we don't see that stuff anymore because half the people that did that stuff uh, are either dead or they can barely fucking move now so it's like it's a weird kind of weird kind of like balance, match to yeah, balance yeah. to get back where it's like it's like the horror of the match but also just a general isolated spectacle of like two guys who are two of the best in the ring just Fucking going way beyond the it's call not of duty. Even a match, though, it's like three spots, and that's with the German. <laughs> <laughs> not for you. It's just, it's just watching it back just didn't do enough. All right, fair enough. Let's move now to tied at number seventeen. We have another tie here. It's actually the last tie we have. First of all, Steve Austin on the Zamboni, uh, September twenty eighth, nineteen ninety eight. This is the day after he loses the belt, I believe, at Breakdown. Um, he's been he's been nobbed by uh, Taker and Kane. Yeah. Vince gives him the gammy old man middle finger at the end of the show. <laughs> yeah, the way he does it. So weird. Vince is fucking king of the world. The cat that's got the cream. He's finally got the belt off Austin, yeah. and I love this so much. He's where got case he's got it in the glass yeah. case. There's a whole big ceremony. Police are around because yeah. they know Austin's coming. The fans are chanting his name, knowing because this is the thing that I love about this. And this is how you book a babyface when he loses the belt and he gets nobbed. They can't wait to see the great revenge. And with Austin, he always got great yeah, revenge in a, in a sensational way. Yeah, that was... I was going to interject. Because I, did I drop this one? Yeah, you dropped this I dropped one. this purely because I had about a list of about 20 Steve Austin <laughs> doing shit moments. And I looked and I thought, I can't... I love them all, apart from maybe you know a couple of the top ones. They're all fantastic. They all represent ways to get Stevie's heat back, or shine back, without cutting someone else's balls off. And it helps with grinning on Vince, obviously, but it, all these moments, like, I love them all. It's all fucking it's, fantastic it's for really... wrestling. And I don't care where they are on my list. I just kind of threw them all in there <laughs> and like, let them settle up where they may. Yeah. Um, so this purely did make my list just because I thought I had to put someone else in there <laughs> other than Steve Austin moments and Shawn Michaels matches. Yeah. So, Carl, you, you rated this hiding in on. This was your, this was number 10 on your list. Um, obviously, you love Steve Austin. and this No. Yeah. But, but, but greatness in the sense of as soon as he gets on the Zam, and of course people get pissing their pants when yeah. he hits the ring. But he actually drives it into even, the ring. Even, even before that, it's it's the path, oh, he takes it's, down the lights. It's the path to destruction. He's taking down the lights. He's yeah. nearly cutting power to the building. You've got Vince screaming down the. Don't mountain. let him Don't in. Don't let him in. Yeah. Kane and Taker just standing like a pair of lemons or whatever. Which <laughs> is what they are, really. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're props. Yeah, they're props for the important Bro. people in the angle. 
<laughs> and then you've got, you know, the donut waddling cops behind trying to chase on. <laughs> <laughs> Get him, boys! <laughs> it's like sort of that complete sort of sense of disregard that you'd, you'd, you'd expect from someone like Austin as he just, you know, he doesn't park up neatly into the ring. He moves the <laughs> he ring. He moves the ring and people try their best not to fall over. He stands on top of it. He's flipping everyone Everyone up on the way. It harkens back to Canadian Stampede where he's got the handcuffs and he's flipping people off. Mm. It's sort of not too dissimilar to that. Yeah. The flying clothesline the, on Vince and Jim Ross screaming, Oh yeah! <laughs> Jim Ross doing someone throwing an Austin inflatable in there. <laughs> I thought the crowd was about ready to riot. Mm. At one point, they've the, the, the cuffed him, they've cuffed him, and then he, like, he gets him again. He gets him he's, trying to, he's trying to he almost headbutt him in the stomach, sort of thing. <laughs> it's just, ah, oh, Austin is insatiable best. <laughs> yeah, absolutely great stuff here. Completely worthy of this position. Number 17, I think good placement. Uh, but yeah. All, is that one that all Nope, 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 nope. Kieran did, Kieran did <laughs> drop it. Kieran, Kieran had it in there, dropped it. Um, yeah. you, had yeah. this, uh, you had this in there as well, G. Yeah, I, I, where do I put it again? Uh, you had this at number 27. 27, yeah, because um, yeah, I, was, I was basically trying to decide between this and the uh, the beer bath, I think, when I was looking at like uh, Austin like segments. And I, I was, I was, I was kind of struggling with this one uh, uh, between the two which one to go with because it's like right the beer bath is excellent because of Vincent swimming uh, that, that, that's great like Vince's face as he's swimming in the beer on, on the mat is like great but this other segment with literally everything not to rain on the Carl's Parade at all he describes it absolutely beautifully where like just everything from like the cops flipping the bird off as he's flying across and, and, and you know uh, you know close eyes and Vince uh, I just thought um I think it's. I think it's just in the end. I think it was just. Um, yeah, it's the little moments like he crashes. He crashes the Zamboni into the ring. Let's be honest. Um, and uh, I think. I think maybe. Oh, I don't know. Maybe because like the beer bath was, was parodied. I think by Kurt. I think just kind of like I don't know. Maybe that has an influence on it. Whilst the Zamboni hasn't really been parodied. At least. I, at least. At least as far as I'm not aware. That one's always the one. I guess this is maybe due, due to how WWE uh, sell uh, their product. Because I always of those two, I always uh, see the footage of uh, Austin flipping the bird as he's running across the top of the Zamboni to dive into the ring and stuff. I always see that as more iconic than the other one. So that's the the reason why I went for it. But uh, in in terms of further the angle, like Carl described it best. Yeah. Absolutely sensational stuff here. Uh, moving along now to the thing that it tied with at number 17, and I was actually very surprised this made it onto the list, but it did. It is Shawn Michaels' parody of Hulk Hogan, the Larry yes! King angle, uh, from August the 1st, 2005. This was absolutely superb, don't get me wrong. Um, yeah, so, I, I, Carl, neither you or I voted on this one. Uh, this was, again, fringe because I love this angle so much. I've quoted this about a thousand times in my life. So how, high, how high did the, you two didn't vote for me, it? Me and Carl did not no. vote for it. So how high did Kieran? Uh, Kieran... Didn't have it that high. Well, it's Shawn Michaels for a start, yeah, so I think I that automatically puts it top ten. <laughs> I had it pretty high, but not that high to get it that Yeah, so, G, you had this at number 12. Oh, okay. And <laughs> Kieran, you had this at number 14. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's hilarious. It's Shawn Michaels. It's Hulk Hogan. It's Shawn Michaels taking the piss out of Hulk Hogan in a way that we've all wanted to do. <laughs> it had to be said. And it's just. It had to be said. It had to be said. And like everything else, <laughs> uh, uh, like some of the angles that I've taken off for, you know, the shitty follow up, the fact that Shawn took the piss out of the leg drop when yeah. he did the job to, to Hoagie 
makes this even better. It's like, <laughs> I'm going to take the piss out of you, and I'm going to take the piss when you beat me too. Because <laughs> this is real, and you beat me is not. Yeah. And I fucking love it. It's, it's a Brother! <laughs> yeah. Oh, brother, brother! <laughs> it's so great. The, the one that I always love is the... Uh, Wait, what is that? <laughs> yeah, fucking, it's great. I've already got their cash. <laughs> in the front of fucking brother. It's, it's awesome. Yeah. Doing, doing the, the fucking pose and everything. That's why he fires off. <laughs> yeah. Larry's asking him a question. He's just standing there doing the, sitting yeah, there doing yeah. the move around. It is great. Don't get me wrong. This is a, uh, th- this is quality, quality material. A fringe top twenty-five for me. Um, yeah, I, I said I, I got it right up there. Just, uh, just this person for me. This I, I thought this was my this is my favourite uh, Shawn Michaels promo or, or segment, or whatever. Uh, he's he's done a lot of great stuff. This one just always got to me when I first saw it because I just thought it was absolutely hilarious. Or right down to like the the, the Larry King setting and everything. Uh, just the parodies. Because so, because that's the thing. They always when they talk about like parodies in wrestling, they always go to the well every time when they show these. They show Triple H as the Rock and yada yada all this stuff. And because yeah, his fucking company. I know, I know, I know. But they always show. Yeah, but they always exactly. But they always show those same things. And it's like, man, you're forgetting outside of you know Sexy Kurt, like the best fucking parody ever in Sean on Hogan like the whole take on it with like the stick on moustache and like the tan and everything and yeah that falls off and he just looks down at it and then just carries on doing the promo anyway because he's all bald now and it's just absolutely great and uh, I, I just I, I just remember when that came out I just like laughing my ass off and like watching like a ten times yeah, again just watching it over and over again thinking because I think reason why I loved this one so much was because it was uh, some might say he never went away, but it was like it was like old Dick Sean coming yeah. back a little bit. It was old attitude era Sean, like a chip on his shoulder, axe to grind. Like he's he's digging the knife in here, and it's like that was excellent. I just thought this is brilliant. He's like he's he's pseudo going heel, but not really because he's freaking awesome in this. And uh, funny enough, however great uh, the the comedy aspect was to it, the bit that I just absolutely loved was the bit when he he starts going absolutely over the top. He he sweet chins Larry uh, Larry King, and then he just he just takes it all he just goes serious and he just takes it all off. And I just remember the line where he just turns around. It's a great go home uh, line on it where he just turns around saying, "Yeah, you have your own reality TV show. Hogan knows best, but what are you gonna do when he, reality hits you?" Right, it kicks you right in the face, and he just turns and just kicks the camera, like the perspective that Hogan's gonna see when he kicks him in the face. And I just thought, like, as funny as that was, that go home line, I thought that was fucking fantastic. I thought that was brilliant, just the aspect of it, just kicking the camera, just saying that's what you're gonna see, asshole. And it was just like, yeah, just great, fucking great, great comedy. It's not just comedy though. Because he's taking it was comedy because he was taking the piss out of the fucking guy, and, the, and so you could tell he meant it. Yeah, it was nasty fucking cutting, cutting. It, it, it wasn't. It wasn't Triple H trying to be funny for laughs because he's yes. so desperate That's for the, the laughs. Exactly what I was gonna say. Tri- when Triple H doing the rocket fucking rock one, it's Triple H. Even the tone of voice, it's like oh, I funny, yeah. I cool. Trying to hit the and obvious not jokes. Cool. Yeah, yeah. And it's like Sean's just ah, oh, it's fucking. He's, Sean's a fucking genius. He's an artist, and it, I just love the guy. I love you, I love you, Sean. <laughs> Rebecca's on. a lucky woman. <laughs> <laughs> Moving along now to number 16 on the list. It is another retirement speech. This time it's Daniel Bryan from uh, February 8th, 2016. Carl, you and I carried this one to this position. Um, if uh, G and Kieran vote for the last one, me and you vote for this one. Uh, this was number 13 for me, number 12 for you. Um, yeah, I, again, similar to Ric Flair, but far more poignant to me in terms of the emotion. Yeah, and and something that even 
even despite the fact that he, he still regularly appears on on TV and and he has the GM role, there's it still feels to me watching it. There's, there's that sense of um, finality about it all. Yeah, you know that it, that it is the end, and and you you sort of know that at least within the context of well maybe not just WWE but going forward it, it, there's a very strong chance he will never wrestle again so all, all that sort of emotion scene again it, it's it's the genuine nature of it all that you know does tug at the heartstrings a bit and you know I, I, I rank it quite highly but it is tinged incredibly with sadness because it is someone being deprived I mean, that's why and it's, and it's, not, and it's not fucking the, hell and it's this not, is breaking his heart you can see it's yeah, breaking and his it's heart not, it's not the Sort of the the culmination of a career like like it is with Rick. It's sort of at least Edge has done everything that you thought he could do to me. Yeah, 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 which, I mean, which divorced I mean, the Edge I mean, from any emotion. Yeah. I didn't really. I honestly didn't give a shit. But no, Edge, yeah. Edge felt like he was happy to be out at that. Point, yeah. So yeah. And, and you, yeah. And, 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 and <laughs> you heard it often enough. If, if he didn't say it, you heard it from Christian when they sort of talk about it outside of the WWE confines about how he talked about only being around for maybe another year and retiring so he, he was already looking past his career at that point anyway mm. whereas yeah the fact that this was sort of so brutally <laughs> taken away <laughs> right as peak you know just when you've sort of I'm not going to say that winning the IC belt the following year at Mania is the mountain top but just when everything sort of clicks for him you know despite what the company may wish to claim and it's sort of the fact that he's done it in spite of them and that sense that he's getting the rewards there and then to just have it pulled away you know, it's, it's that, that tinge of emotion and sadness that just sort of it really sticks with you yeah the thing with, with Brian for me that there are several moments on this list that I consider putting on the, 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 the deal with him and uh, Bray Wyatt in the cage uh, which I voted for in, in the top 30 where he, he he's kind of been a pseudo heel then turns baby face and it's just fucking incredible oh my god but he was one of I was thinking about this in the last few years he's one of the few guys that seems like universally able to get like a universal reaction from like like universal cheers really really loud it's just like these like great moments where it's like everyone's pissing their pants together like a, like a true top baby face should and it's like and then here's this guy it's like fuck's sake it was very sad just for that reason it's like here's someone who actually has gotten there and everybody likes him and and again, sort of in spite of the complete, the fact that the, the crowd stick with him mm. in a way that they don't stick with anyone else when the company decide, well, we're not that keen on you getting over. We're, we're going to call your that whole thing of killing the faith, which kills so many uh, would be stars. Yeah, and he was so good that they couldn't do it with him. As you know, no matter how hard they tried, yeah, the exception that proves the rule, kind of a thing. Yeah, but anyway, as a standalone segment, again, I just think that obviously it's in Seattle, so he gets the hero's welcome. Anyway, awesome speech, and just, yeah, at the end of it, you know, even Bree coming out didn't bother me. <laughs> so, that's probably nice no, to you, say you, about you, that. you don't, you don't begrudge the man that at the end of the day, do um, you? Yeah, no, it's, it is a sad moment. I think, I don't know, I think probably why this may be slightly, uh, uh, not tainted, that's a strong word, why I probably didn't go for this, because whilst at the time in, in its bubble, it's a very emotional moment, as, as you said, because you're absolutely right with Edge, you know, if he said he was, he was already planning on the way out, whilst Brian, you can see how much he loves doing it I think I think maybe what makes slightly tense is, is that the fact probably from like if you follow like his comments and stuff now is that it's not really it was a WWE retirement as in not as in he's, he's retiring from WWE it's more like WWE were retiring him he doesn't quite believe 
in it himself. He's still he's not he doesn't believe his career's over. He's still finding other ways. He's still going. But all these folks are saying, "I'm all right. I'm looking at this." And he's constantly talking about when well, my contract's up at the, at the end of this year. I'm going to do this and that. He doesn't really believe it's a genuine retirement. It was like it was like obviously he he was living the emotion at the time because he felt like maybe maybe I am retiring here. But I think just in the long run. That's maybe what's uh, uh, dissuaded me from putting this higher because it's just like, well, let's wait and see if he is actually retired. Uh, if he actually turns around and he leaves the company and he doesn't wrestle, then it's like, yeah, it's a real sad moment. But if he just turns around and does a Ric Flair and just wrestles somewhere else afterwards, <laughs> it's like, it's it's not quite as sad anymore, really. Unless obviously uh, something happens to him, God, God forbid. But uh, yeah, I'd just be happy if he's just healthy. <laughs> Moving along now to number 15 on the list. It is a very uh, hot angle indeed. The Nexus debuts uh, and destroys everything on June 7th, 2010. Uh, Carl Kieran didn't make the cut on your list, uh, did make the cut on mine, I ranked this at number 19. I did have this higher and eventually kind of downgraded when I thought about it and uh, compared it to other moments. Uh, G, you had this very high. This was your number four of all time. Uh, a very, uh, very memorable angle, certainly. Um, yeah, it's... It was, and uh, the reason why, and this this is where I've been talking about our whole podcast, where I'm saying I've got plenty of other choices in my top ten where you turn around, it's a great angle, and then they were gone, fucked it up. And this one, for me, is one of the most deplorable ones from their <laughs> side of things, because it had been a while, it had been a few years since something really exciting happened, because this is before like all the punk stuff, and we'd just been... Dean with a lot of kind of like boredom really <laughs> a lot of Randy Orton versus John Cena yeah I just just a lot of shit uh, a lot of mediocre stuff and then we had like the we had the absolutely uh, just ridiculous uh, original NXT uh, show uh, with all that with the, with the initial hype of Dan Daniel Bryan being on the show and wrestling Jericho on the opening show and then it just falls a freaking part from there they just eliminate him early and all that shit and it just, just the general quality of that show just being absolutely awful and then whoever's idea it was or however it came about they just struck gold for me with a great premise and it was just the way if we, if we take this in the isolation that we've done with previous uh, uh, with some of the previous other options this was such a great angle like the way they just kind of built it up it was like the finish to like the Cena uh, punk back when he still had the mask on uh, match and it was just it was just the sight of it it was just i just remember i didn't watch it live at the time i remember hearing about it the next day and just reading about it i was like okay like because you you know how like you read or you hear things from people and it, as as we've already commented before it never lives up to expectations this was like okay this sounds intriguing this is going to be as good as i think it would be and it was it was absolutely fantastic i just love the moment with the barrack coming out and then suddenly just like the realization as as the cameras cut into all the sides of the ring and they're seeing like these guys or tava or tava yeah that 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 legend um uh shelton and um and you know they're all there with the gear with the bandana so what's the, with the bandana what's, what's with the n because it's not nxt on it's like what's with the bandana with the n and it's just like it was just that just the way they did it and just how the match just suddenly stopped and like everyone's just looking at what's going on and it was just this attack and it was just like it was almost it, it was it was kind of like initially like NWO-esque really you think like the early days of NWO but it like had this very kind of diff different twist to it because this wasn't just a bunch of old boys uh, well okay it's a bit harsh on 
Well, it's a harsh on National Hall. Um, it's uh, a bunch of old boys like trying to, like, you know, stick with the limelight. This is like a whole new young batch of guys, and there was talent in that group. Uh, you know, yes, obviously Danny Bryan, and Ray Barrett thought it was good. Like Justin Gabriel thought that like had like an upside to him. Okay, he's not going to main event anything, but there was some talent within there. And it was just it was just a way like this great gimmick just kind of worked off, and it's how they sold it. Like thought the choking of Justin Roberts was freaking awesome to be honest I was I remember being pissed off after that I think oh, I think I think that almost actually pissed me off more than the actual whole they just fucked the angle up the next week it was more just they fired Brian over that it was like really what do you fucking grow up really like some of the fucking shit you've done it's like for Christ's sake bloody like a, like a miscarriage and fucking gun you know uh, Pillman uh, 9mm and all that stuff really this, 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 this is this is where you draw the line that you choke a freaking yeah, yeah you know you uh, Katie Vick you know you draw, you draw the line of this shit really um, but I just loved it and I think it was just the aspect just this real, this image of this Cena just surrounded and like Cena's super Cena and in this he wasn't super they, they, they just freaking like just Murdered him. They just bent, and there's a, that, that was that great moment where, like, like seems like he's he's like carrying in this moment, like, like they 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 release enough of a gap where you can see seen like lunging out in desperation, trying to get out, and they just pile on him again and just beat him down. It's like this great image, and also uh, it was just the moment of like, obviously they were ripping everything up and they're tossing everything uh, over like the the. the ring barriers and, and the announce tables but it was like when they like tore up the ring as well and they were like revealing like the, the boards and everything it was just like I don't remember them really ever doing something like that well, like we all, we all know how, how the ring is made but they never just turned around and just actively like showed you that's what the ring is made of it was just like this complete like desensitisation of just like this isn't like almost felt like for a brief moment like this isn't like an angle this is like this is like some really disgruntled employees uh, feeling like they've been like abused and like embarrassed on this shitty NXT show and now they're taking it out on everyone they're going to take it out on like the figurehead of the company and it just felt so fresh so new so exciting and it's like man Daniel Bryan is obviously we know is great this is going to make Ray Barrett look like a star like they they pinpointed like Justin Gabriel as well because it was his 450 that they they like they showed the most like that's the spot his 450 is devastating and he's like man I'm so excited to see what they're going to do with this next week man this is they can build okay they're not going to build all eight of them into stars but if they can build three of them oh my god then that this this will work and they just yeah and the negative side they fucked it up <laughs> immediately the very next week they fucked it up by having them talk like just stand in the ring do a promo like everybody fucking else nothing it's just same old same old and so whilst that's frustrating I will never take away how great that angle was to the point where that was actually on my skybox uh, for years afterwards because because obviously they, they, they edited it yeah, after yeah. that they edited the Daniel Bryan stuff I wanted the original presentation of it it was on my skybox until last year when I deleted it because I just cleared out my entire skybox mm. it was that's how long it was on there because I wanted that for crystal clarity uh, until you just realise the internet's got it covered pretty much but uh, you know and it's just uh, I don't know it was just an angle that's stuck with me it just got me excited again um, yeah just this great angle it's just like, how did they fuck that up it was a, such a great idea yeah it was so hot it was almost too hot for its own good because yeah. it's like I'm not sure what they can do to top that really that is kind of the inherent nature of it because although you say they break so many talents yeah <laughs> there wasn't a lot of talent in that fucking crew don't no one put stuck in Barrett apart from the company for his side I'm pretty sure most of us were pissed off that Brian didn't win the show and he wasn't the star so don't give me that Barrett, yeah. <laughs> don't give me that Barrett stuff right now most people were pissed off that he was going to be the centrepiece because he was the biggest um, 
it was a fucking phenomenal angle because it felt it was different it was raw it felt real because mm. of attacking the, the announcers and the security yeah, the, and everything yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Um, these guys who yeah. aren't personalities but there's yeah the shit they're stuck in these guys they mean something or they mean a fucking hell of a lot and you know inherent flaws may be that if you put them in the normal environment they were going to flounder and Sorry. this company isn't fucking smart enough we should know by now that you've got to fall you got to one way eventually you've got to assimilate into their their way of being otherwise yeah. it'll go by the way so anyway so um, it was a fantastic yeah fantastic angle though I'm not going to d- dispute that if you just take it from what we've been judging on which is specific moments it's like it's a memorable one it's a high certainly it's not going to argue with that uh, so is Kate Vick so <laughs> fuck your argument <laughs> fuck you and your argument <laughs> Moving along now, number 14 on the list, we're creeping towards the top 10 with uh, the return of Brock Lesnar. Uh, the day after Mania 28, April 2nd, 2012, uh, rated uh, at number, what did you guys have at? 21, G, 21 Carl, uh, and I had it in my top, uh, what do I have it at here? No, number 11 for me. Uh, so 14 is where it sits all time. Uh, Brock Lesnar's return is somewhat skewed for me because I was there live. Yeah. So... The, the, the element of Brock being gone all this time, building the legs, he's the UFC heavyweight champion, and always that dream of I hope he comes back. Because there were rumours that he was going to come back in 2005 and he didn't, and that was very disheartening. Yeah. And like that, to have him come back and for, it to be, for me to be there and to hear, oh my god, those people the pissed. Music, man. The music, music, they shit themselves, I shit myself, and then shit myself again. I actually do that every WrestleMania. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's, it's just a thing before as well, just because. Uh, obviously, because obviously it was, it was leaked beforehand, so like you had that like, like smattering of the crowd turning around, like so, like Brock. Everybody Brock, knew. Brock, you know? Every, yeah. Everybody had heard the rumor, but everybody also heard the rumor that Batista was coming back as well, and he never showed up. So the, it, it was that thing of okay, we've heard the talk, yeah. but nothing yeah, until it happens. That's you don't it, know. That's it. You, you hope you're I, desperate to see it, but deep down, until you actually see it, you're never going to yeah. quite believe it. Because th- 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 there had been rumours before of Brock coming back. It, like I said, yeah. in 2005, I remember they did the angle on Raw when they did Vince That's McMahon's Vince McMahon's big announcement, and we think, oh shit, this coincides with the Lesnar rumours. This is it. And then it turns out he's bringing back Matt Hardy. Yeah. But you know, so, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sorry, not you in the middle or something. No, I was. I was going to say, like I said, that the. The hope of one day him coming back, him yeah. coming back and just fucking him walking around the ring, people going crazy, F5 in Cena, and then yeah. kicking the fucking hat, which was awesome. Yeah, that's the best thing. Kicking yeah, the hat out of the ring like, fuck this shit. And it's, no it's, chance. It's, it's all coming from someone who just seems very real, very authentic, and uh, it seems odd to say this as a follow-up to that, to, to the phrase authenticity, but otherworldly in a sense when it comes yeah. to the rest of the environment. I, I was, He's so special. Yeah, yeah. And to get to get him back, when I, again, this, this falls into the sort of the Hogan category for me. Of, I never genuinely believed he'd ever come back. Yeah, me either. So, so to see it was just phenomenal. Yeah, people pissing themselves in excitement. It was as loud a crowd as I've ever heard in person. And I think when you watch the tape back, it, it holds yeah, up with well, any yeah, reaction that, big that, that, that we're going to talk about today. The hat kick was special. Because it's like, you got to put it into the context. Like, not only is this man amongst men, Brock Lesnar, mm. the only manlier man is Steve Austin, obviously. Mm. But Brock comes out and yeah, it's Cena, who people hate as the cartoon character, so he fucking beats the shit out of him. And it's like, fuck your hat, fuck your gimmick, and fuck fuck PG I'm Brock fucking Lesnar <laughs> in one kick and it was just completely natural because he's Brock fucking Lesnar it was fantastic it was it was excellent I, yeah I was, I was just like 
I was just like begging for him to come back ages because like the, back, you know, when uh, he was on SmackDown, I think he was like my boy. I was, I, I freaking, I just adored Brock Lesnar. I was heartbroken when the uh, when he wanted to leave, and so I, and I was basically because I was still, I was, I was still, uh, shamedly on the the Cena uh, hate bandwagon, and so I was still firmly just like it was, just, it was a constant axe to grind with me on that one because I was just kind of thinking like you are only here. Because Brock fucking left. Because I was that's what that's yeah. what that's what my genuine belief was at the time. I was just like I said, if Brock didn't leave the company, Brock would still be the number one star in this company because he's freaking Brock Lesnar. He's awesome. He's better than you in every way. So it's like so you only you only who you are because he's not there. So I was like begging for him to come back. It's like please just fucking save us. Can <laughs> you just save us? And so and, and I agree with you. Like he had his UFC career hugely successful there it's like you generally didn't think he was going to come back he just thought he was completely over it they go through like a lawsuit and everything it's like this is pretty much done and then to see him like come back with the music and everything you know it's like it, whilst it's a, a, a kind of cartoonish meme now you know the Brock Lesnar guy and everything yeah, like that I, was, uh, I may I may have slightly done that as well <laughs> when I was watching the TV I may have just gone yes you know just just the fucking like awesome moment just the, like the camera didn't do justice to that they showed yeah. the one asshole doing it that yeah. everyone in the crowd was doing the do, hop on the spot when he was doing it like, that, yeah. like it's Brock Lesnar yeah. hopping on the spot yeah. again for the first time it, in almost a decade it was, it was just it was just a freaking awesome moment as you said just everything just like uh, Kim was just mentioned with it was just the perfect person to do it against it was the company shill you know and, and Brock Lesnar uh, when he was there and when he left was anything but the shill it's like Brock does what Brock wants and it was just it was just a magical moment he just like freaking like F5s him if I remember right it just F5s him it's like the kick of the hat was just that it's that great oh, this is the thing that they don't do this anymore it, it was that one of those great moments of spontaneity yeah. Of just moment where someone's so fucking good, and they just think, "Oh, I'm just going to do this," because they're just going to fucking do it, and it's just it's just awesome when they do, and it's like they don't have that anymore. They don't have the spontaneity because it's just all way too like scripted. You know what I mean? Like they they can't even think outside the produced. box. Whilst like Brock, it just never yeah, it never feels produced with Brock. It just feels like like he, you know, it wasn't like oh, I'm I'm, I'm I'll knock the hat off and then I'll kick the hat off into crowds. It's just nothing. It's all spontaneity, and that's just what makes Brock so like real and alive because you don't know what he's gonna do, and it's just that like, the way he sells everything, and just like you know, like, I, like as I said, Carl mentioned, I had like moments and stuff, but like, but Brock always brings me back. He always does something that's extra special, where it's just like he, he wrestles AJ and he just does a fucking amazing thing that makes me just want to suck his cock again. He's just <laughs> watch him, or whatever, or just watch him like where, where he does like the really kind of shitty like the, like the angle on the twenty fifth rule, which was quite bad. But then I like watch how like Brock throws himself out of the ring anytime he gets thrown out of the ring. Like I, I don't know, I don't know how he was taught how to exit a ring, but like because I don't think he was taught. I think he just throws himself out of the ring because the way he just executes everything in his life he's just a, a, a magnificent specimen of a man really and it's just like and that's that's what it, that's what, what, what Carl was mentioning that's what, is what makes him like special because he just looks like a, a fucking freak he, he just doesn't look real but he doesn't look like a cartoon character he just looks like a worst fucking nightmare come to life and on that night he was John Cena's worst nightmare yeah Great angle, great angle, great return, great reaction. Uh, moving now to uh, number 13 on the list, and uh, you talk about great angles, this is one for me. Uh, the Batista thumbs down to Triple yes. H on February 21st, 2005. I love this. Mm -hmm. I love this so much. This is in my top 10. I think this might have been my number 10. What's the key reason as to why? Because they built it. It was the best build for fucking... This, this angle sold WrestleMania. 
21. Yeah. Well, it, it, was, it, it, was, it was the build that Orton should have had in the first instance. Exactly. Yep. And, and they, they balls it up there. <coughs> I, the, the, the number of buys this did, is this WrestleMania did, is solely from this, and it's staggering. It did a great domestic number. And I lo- I, first of all, I love it because no one gave two shits about Batista before this angle started and if, if anybody tries to Deacon tell me- Batista yeah. not so long ago yeah. <laughs> even like he's, <laughs> he's just like he's the, the fourth wheel in evolution Orton yeah. was clearly the guy Rick, you know, Flair's Flair trips his trips Batista's just the muscle who's just there and there were times when people were kind of get into him a little bit but nothing serious and it all was that it was that pre-survivor series that one-off when it was just an angle backstage when like Triple H leaves the belt there backstage on the sofa while he goes and does something. It just the camera just stays on Batista for a second, and he looks at the belt and picks it up, and everyone just pisses themselves in the crowd like, "Oh Christ, yeah. Batista might turn." He's got ambitions. He's yeah. got an ambition. Oh, yeah. oh, he's he's not, he's not the bodyguard. He's credible. He's somebody all of a sudden, and they didn't rush it. They yeah. slowly. So slowly. It's amazing that, isn't it? It's amazing how slow the, the crowd didn't really give a shit about. But if you book them right, they do. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. It's like Strowman. But anyway, so the, the, it's just it's just interesting. This, this slow burn. He, he wins the Rumble in hilarious fashion with Vince killing himself. <laughs> That's still funny. Which is which is never oh, going to not be great. The, the, the great New Year's Revolution pay-per-view where it's the Elimination yeah. Chamber match and then you get the angle where Batista gets uh, the RKO Triple H gets up to save him and then sits back down and yeah. doesn't it's like oh there's, there's so like, many there's th- like the conversations about backstage where like that uh, Ric Flair and Triple H are talking amongst themselves about I think something about how stupid he is or whatever and then like the camera moves back and he sees him there. In, the, in, the, in the outside yeah. by the door listening but, in and he's a smile that was right like, before yeah it's like yeah you, th- you think I'm a dumb fuck and it's just like I know everything. Yeah, he knows, I'm not, he's, he's not a he's dumb not baby stupid. face. He's not just some roided up fucking idiot. He's just <laughs> well, he's roided up, but he's not an idiot. He's actually like smart, and it's just like that's the really intelligent part about the book. And it wasn't just like this guy's a monster that Triple H can handle and stuff. Like he is actually smart enough to like outmaneuver Triple H, which leads right down to the angle we're talking yeah. about, where he completely outmaneuvers him. It's just awesome. They, they, they did the uh, try to cast a bit of doubt there by teasing the JBL match which yeah. no one really believed but it was just like and like you say that Teddy Long <laughs> God bless Teddy Long but, but there's somebody I generally think during that segment he actually genuinely believed like that might end up being the match he genuinely believed like I'm going to get Batista baby we got him player too much thugging and not enough bugging <laughs> and then of course it all ends with the great angle where Batista oh. says I know what I've, I've known what I'm going to do for a long time the thumbs up call back with Orton and then Blair. the the, sl- yeah, the slow turn and both their faces just dropping yeah, as they realise oh good, shit it, Triple H is good well, that's just sort of like his usual comedic <laughs> thing but it's Flair's face the, the, the ga- aghast face of just like what <laughs> it's just oh man it was this, beautiful this made Batista it made him a top star it was unbelievable yeah. the, I, I honestly yeah. think top 10 angle for yeah. me and it was a great I, it, 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 I did battle with this one having it higher but it's like it, and it's also just a great visual aspect of it of just like when he he actually because he's wearing the full suit he's doing the full like evolution thing and he just rips like does he just takes the suit off and the shirt and the tie and he just takes it all off and he just and he just and he's seen it and Batista and, and, and he just and he just Batista bombs through the table it's just that thing like he's like shredding the evolution's like image which is like of oh, the suits you know it's the four horsemen thing because you know Triple H has to recycle stuff and it's just like he's just shredding it and it's like it's the fucking beast and that's what they call it they're like the fucking animals yeah. unleashed and it's like man they could not have hit that mark any sweeter than they did. It was like actually, and, and you have to put all credit to like everyone that was involved in that. Where it was like Bischoff, even Teddy, uh, you know, uh, uh, Triple H, Rick, and even Patista himself. He played, he played it 
beautifully. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Maybe he should be an actor or something. Maybe. He might, he might have a future he might, in there. He might make some money. He might do. He might do. But yeah. Also, I was very surprised not to see this in your list, Carl. You did not vote for this. I was, I was quite surprised. Uh, it's not that I'm overly negative towards her or anything. It's just, you know, you've only got so many slots on the list and certain things get missed off. And unfortunately, in, uh, in this instance, much like the uh, the Sean parody of Hogan, it's just one of, one of the few that just didn't quite make the cut for me. He was more into Autumn Undertaker. That's what it was, wasn't it? Mm, I, I don't, I don't think so. Build. So, moving on now. Number 12. This is going to be an interesting one, folks. Go on. June 27th, 2011. It is CM Punk's oh. Pipe Bomb promo in Las Vegas, Nevada. Which sits here, despite the fact it did not get a vote from Kieran. It did not get a vote from Carl. Gee, you had this at number one. Oh, fucking hell. <laughs> Come I on now. I'm pissed off, uh, Carl. Yeah, I, I this this was in my list. Um, Fifteen. Fifteen. Ah, uh, well, I had it in there. <laughs> you had it in there, and then you dropped. I it. dropped it because I realised I'd left something else out. So, um, ah, it should make my list. But it didn't though. Uh, well, I didn't do a list, did I? I, talk, I keep you did. saying this. How many you times keep saying that. You gave me to a... reiterate. But you gave me a list with numbers on it. It so. was on a spreadsheet, Liam. That was cell numbers. It wasn't an order. <laughs> uh, no, no, apart from the top one. I, look, I looked at what was at the top of what was at the bottom. <laughs> that was a list. <laughs> you interpret it. <clears throat> what are we talking about? CM Punk's pipe bomb, yes. which obviously was a. Uh, I, I thought this was going to be a controversial hot button one as soon as G sent me his rankings. And I did have this quite high myself. And again, it was a matter of watching everything back and just the, my person saying, I like that one a little bit more. Mm. I like that one more. Nothing against the, the pipe bomb. I loved, first of all, this is one of the ones where. Because I remember we watched this together, Kieran, and I'd, I'd had surgery on my arm the day it happened, so I came back with my arm in a sling and I'm a little bit groggy still, and I'd heard about this promo, and then me and you watched it together, and all we knew at the time, Kieran, we watched it was, CM Punk apparently cuts this great promo on Raw, don't know what it is, but everyone, I just read that it was a great promo, we watched it back, and we were just like, we were freaking out about it, because it's, yeah. again, it's, it's like the Nexus, it's the conventions being broken that makes this what it is. And of course, his delivery is just fucking out his of this world. His delivery is fucking phenomenal. Um, it's really interesting because you watch his back, and I do think now it's like, well, you know, it's not that controversial. You watch it back now, it's like, oh, he hasn't actually said that much. He just said, insinuated about the family. He, dro he dropped some names that hadn't yeah, been dropped in a long time. So, but it's, that's what it was. It's the convention broken that this, that doesn't even happen at that point in time. In terms of creating a buzz, it was fucking unbelievable. Um, without doubt, it should be on the list because... In terms of taking a guy who's not a tippy-top guy and just shining all the focus on him through his own work in a five-ten-minute program, whatever it is, it's phenomenal. But and this is for me, this is the one moment. This encapsulates opportunity that you can just do a promo out of nowhere and you've created something out of nothing, and you've got they if they fucking had the world in their hands with this angle. They did. And the one and the reason again, it's you know, it's soured for me. Um, it's not like I'm judging it on what happened afterwards, but maybe that soured the emotion. And it, for me, it's just okay, just another angle. But the, the follow-up is just so fucking piss poor. If you're going to lose so much, something so different to everything you've ever had before, and they they could have just manipulated the internet. It could have been a, they started out that way with the Comic Con thing. Oh yeah. It pissed away. And I know it's not really in keeping with this list, but as I said, this isn't a list. So um, that's why I didn't put it on there just for that. 
just a sour taste because of the follow up but in terms of the initial th- in the initial moment absolutely it's probably top 10 moment in all honesty um, because of the, what it generated coming out of it yeah which doesn't happen very often to resonate like that yeah G you had number one the floor is yours yeah I mean this uh, just to emphasise what Kim was saying the reason why I, I put this at number one because I was debating it with, with my number two genuinely and the reason why I put this at number one was because as as Kim mentioned this at the time meant everything this was like freaking huge uh, I again like the same similar to you guys didn't watch it live because who did who, 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 most people don't watch Raw like at least in my friend group anyway and it's just what makes this thing moment at uh, this great this moment so great isn't just like those moments where he mentions New Japan he talks about Ring of Honor Cole he breaks Colt Cabana he breaks the fourth wall he calls the rock by Dwayne and this one he calls him an ass kisser and, and Hogan and Brock Lesnar who split and I'm going to split the same Paul but this Heyman. time I'll have the title I'm a Paul Heyman guy He's he's got all these little bullet points that he's putting in there, these hot topic things which are great and you know he does the whole thing about you know his dupus son-in-law and idiotic daughter and he goes you know when this man dies and so it gets a bit of a ooh from the crowd and everything ooh let's not talk about an old man dying um those points are all kind of great and they are quite great pinpoint marks which which basically what's categorised it as a pipe bomb it's like mention things that are maybe a little bit too insidery we have talked about this before about like how really good are those kind of moments really when they reference things that most of the watching crowd won't reference this that those point bullet points aren't what make this great it was how they focused on one character so perfectly it was it was Punk's execution of the angle is what makes it masterful and why it's my easily my favourite thing ever on Raw and my favourite promo on Raw and it's up there probably in the top five of my favourite promos full stop is because of how he executes it it's just the grabbing the mic walking away taking his position on stage so he is centre stage of everything and he just sits down and it's just that casual sitting down and he's just ratting it off and it doesn't really feel like it's a scripted promo or even something that he's thought about backstage where he's like no I'm going to say this when I get out there it just seems like he's just talking like from the heart and just it's coming out of his mouth and it's just like these little great things where he's just saying about like oh you know Cena I hope you as you're you know in there as, as much pain as possible you know I actually don't hate you and all that stuff it's like all these little kind of lines he states and like Cena's like selling it like beautifully as well like he's he's, he's not just super Cena in it he's, he's selling it the, being put through the table and just look in his face he's kind of listening to this as he's recovering like he sells it really well as well and it's just the way this is this great delivery of just like at the moments where he ta- attacks the audience and said yeah all you guys who are cheering me now you're just as guilty for buying the brochures and the cups and everything you, you know you try and make me the hero or whatever but you're just as guilty and it was just it, it wasn't just context it was, it was how he said it it was how he how he looked at the camera at times it was how he uh, 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 and whilst yeah they did kind of like fuck it up in the long run obviously in the mass long run they did and they did it for very very short term uh, you know it did it was a great build up for what was a great pay per view in the money in the bank as well so it, whilst you know the very next night might have not been perfect there were some great little moments along the way you know he had the thing where he had the negotiation contract negotiation with Vince which was 
incredibly entertaining and uh, also just the money in the bank so it whilst in the long term it, it didn't really pay off in the end I thought in the short term it was it still holds up today as just like a real standout moment and that meant everything to everyone and it was actually probably the last time or like that period of CM Punk the summer of Punk and the next year when he had the title reign that's probably the last time I was really excited about the product as a whole you're right so moving on from that following on from what was a uh, a great angle I think that and this is going to kind of sum it up for me I think that with stuff like the, the Punk promo and with the Nexus stuff that is a standalone isolated one great moment I kind of hold not necessarily hold against it but I, there is kind of a mental ceiling for me I'm like that was absolutely awesome I love the way that made me feel in that one moment but moving on but moving on it's like yeah exactly there's, there's always something else so that ties into what's next on the list for me at number 11 X-Pac's return joined the Generation X in March uh, March 30th 1998 uh, this was carried by me and you Kieran two very high rankings you at number 5 me at number 9 so I'll throw this to you first fucking you talk of significance. This is, this is this is what I mean. This is the flow of the Monday Night War in one show, and this was the one of the key moments of that night after Mania fourteen. Yeah, yeah. And it's we've had years of talent going seemingly one direction to WCW if they were worth anything, and a bunch of cripples and Mark Mero going the other direction. <laughs> and this was the momentum was there, the attitude was there, and. Obviously, Mania was the pinnacle, everything leading into that. And then this was, okay, but what next? Now we're going, now, we, and this is now, Austin's been crowned, and this show is, like we said before, this is the, this is the start, this is pure attitude now, the yeah. show. We're going in this direction, and let's see what happens. And it was, if you're going to sign someone, you're going to bring someone back. This isn't just signing uh, Sid. This is... <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's not Sid. This is a guy who's synonymous with Hall and Nash, with the NWO, with the Click, Shawn Michaels, lesser Triple H, because obviously he wasn't important at that time, um, relatively. So it was the real. This is the first. Okay, the momentum started to go the other way now. The products there, and also the intrinsic behind the scenes, the direction, the momentum of signing talent, the excitement of what's going to happen next on the show, now it's starting to happen the other way as well. Not only is the product edgy and different, you're going to get something you're not going to see on seen before. Um, now, what's going to, what is going to happen? That, the anticipation and the suspense. And it was just all part of that and Pac was the perfect guy to bring back. He was the former guy who'd come back and he did a little... The axe grind. The axe grind. He fit the, char- he fit the attitude, pun intended, perfectly. He fit the gamut, the, the, the gimmick perfectly the promo on Hogan and Bischoff yeah and it was like (sighs) as simple as it is just saying Hulk Hogan you suck pal it was like everyone felt that it's just like yeah we are fucking sick of that shit like this is where it's at now the the gravitas of it the young the energy of Pac the attitude and it was like if you had that trench mentality um, for for the E or the F at the time it was like fuck yeah, yeah. Come on, boys. Yeah, back in the game. We got one back. Yeah, and it's a guy we like who's fucking cool. Who's not an old guy. Yeah. Who's like I, I liked him anyway. I thought he was great. I loved him in six. I thought he was a great chicken shit heel. And the thing for me is like, like I said, I put this in the top ten. This was my number nine because watching it, it really was. After two, cause I I loved the you know you were raised on WWF. But when WCW got hot with the NWO, I loved watching Nitro. That show was so much fun when the NWO was at its peak. And it's like, like you say, with Punk, 
And with the Nexus, it doesn't feel like there's any kind of promotional shift. It's one if those segment. Ang- yeah, if those angles never happened, does the world change? Exactly. That sums it up for me. A month later, the punk thing might as well have never happened. And at the time, you don't know that, of course. We're judging no, these no. moments. That's fair enough. But in the moment of X-Pac turning up on the WWF, it really was a sense of... That Raw after WrestleMania feels like a different promotion to me. And it's one of my favourite episodes of Raw ever. And a big part of it is the fact that when Pac comes back, it honestly feels like... The wrestling, not because of him necessarily, but it is it is representative of the wrestling landscape is just completely changed because now it feels like this is the cool promotion, and it's not just because Austin's hot; it's because now things are happening that are made, you know, again just DX becoming hot as it was. You know, the Outlaws had been had gotten hot at the I'd time. And everything. Really, I think you could put the whole formation of DX 2.0 is is this? I I kind of class it. All yeah, maybe you could because the Outlaws were such a perfect fit as well, and obviously yeah. they teased it. Well, they teased it, but then I guess Sean had put the X in there. Yeah, um, so it was there anyway. So when it happened, it was like it's the most natural thing in the world, and that's the beautiful thing when booking seems natural, when wrestling seems natural, it's yeah. amazing, and it was a perfect angle for me. So yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Moving now, we are breaking the top ten, ladies and gentlemen. At number ten, it is the highest ranked match on the board. I was very surprised it got really? this high. It is too cool, Rikishi, Cactus Not Jack, higher. and The Rock against the Generation X and the Radical sitting at number 10 um, this was a molten hot match this is this 10 man tag G you had this rated at number 2 all time I know you adore this match uh, that is what carried it to the top 10 position I put it in my uh, my top 25 as well as did Kieran uh, you had it at number 16 key uh, Carl didn't vote for this one um, I can certainly understand in terms of not a match that has far reaching consequences but if you're judging it on its own this is so much fun you wake up. That may be true, but it, it ends with the return of Kane. No, no, it's 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 a really it's, no, it, it's it, the crowd are molten, you are, and it's a fun, it, it's a it's a really fun match, and you know I don't that idea of always wanting to see Guerrero and Benoit. Not so much Saturn, really, but but Malenko as well in, in that. In, <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, yeah, nice white boots on. Match this mistake. I like that bit of coordination. Good, good, good point. Good point, I've honestly got nothing against it. But again, there is a finite number of slots on the on the list, and for me, it just just didn't quite make it. In the same way that I I, I don't disagree with anything you said about uh, about the X Pac return, but I just I never gravitated towards him. So maybe I, I don't have as as the 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 sort of consequential nature of it. I I could wholeheartedly get on board with, but but I don't necessarily have a fondness for it, if that makes sense. But the ten man tag, you are is 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 really really fun. But again, li- limited number of spots and certain things. And, that to, make you, and to you, there are better matches. Yes, I, I had that same feeling. I did like this one. I, I made sure to put it on the list because I enjoyed it so much at the time. But again, when I look at weighing up the great matches in all history, I, I, I think I probably rate a couple better than this. Quite a few, actually. If I really yeah, it kind of made it this so high to me. Um, the importance of again those guys jumping ship from WCW. Um, thanks, little Kev, for that one. <laughs> little Kev and Big Kev, I guess, play their roles. It's, it's not even just little Kev and Big Kev. It's uh, it's big little Mike as well. <laughs> big little Mike. <laughs> there you go. Um, so yeah, I wanted it in there. It's a shame. 
It does. It was so fucking hot. And the so construction hot. of this match is great. Lost. It's ten man tag. So you got obviously five aside, and the building up of st- uh, like star power as they tag into the match is progressively bigger. So the pops are progressive, progressively bigger, building up to obviously when a rock finally tags in. So that's just beautiful. It's so simple. Super so, key for me. Yeah. Hell of a time. Yeah. It um. It was fleeting. It, it was yeah. It just it, the, the start again. Similar to the pack one, in that this is added the added thing of momentum in the war. Um, it just just really stands out in my memory. Just how fucking hot this match was, and it's got too cold in there because it was supposed to be five on two. Yeah, obviously, and then those two fucking nerds and that fat bastard. But <laughs> they were over, man. So they were over. They were great in the roles. They it great was in the yeah, match. it was. They were. It was. Everyone played their role perfectly. It was really good. Really, really good. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, whilst uh, I'm glad that I think I think this is actually the best match on Raw, so I'm glad that I actually and if my my predation at number two got it to that position, and I'm glad of that because I, I do think it's the best. Uh, and it's again, it's like thank you to Luke Edwards for this. I'll always thank him for it. I never knew this match existed uh, until he mentioned it on the 2000 uh, Year Review show, and uh, I've never looked back on it. It's in my top five favorite matches of all time uh, because I just enjoy it so much and. <clears throat> I think like the reason why, because uh, I also, FYI, because uh, what didn't make the 25 was the Radicals debut, which I did have in like number eight, I think, on my list on there. Um, and I'm sure, I'll go into more detail when we get to it in the timeline, but that was like such a key moment. Whilst you guys probably saw that in terms of like, um, how you saw in terms of like the Monday Night Wars, what was going on there. I saw that as being like the most definitive, like, you just mentioned about X-Pac being definitive a moment. I saw this a definitive moment in my wrestling war. It was a Monday Night War because I was only getting back into wrestling. It's like I got WCW where like there's wrestlers who I recognise, but over here there's The Rock, and it's like what, what where am I going to hang my hat? Which company? And there were eight guys that I liked in WCW. It was like Sting, DDP, Rey Mysterio, uh, Billy Kimmon, Eddie Guerrero as part of the Filthy Animals. Then three members, not. Shane Douglas of Revolution <laughs> and then literally in one fell swoop four of those eight switched to the other side that more so than for you guys with X-Pac or even Jericho or whatever that was way more of a momentum shift because like Benoit and Rey Mysterio were like my boys and like Benoit were like in WCW and Benoit just, obviously was just in the title mix so he was like quite hot at the time and dude you get into wars later than the fucking Americans in World War <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and uh, it's like <laughs> In two fell swoops, they killed, it felt, WCW's future. They killed the future whilst also securing their mid-card. And then, like, uh, WWF's mid-card, it was like, it was just like, it, I know, the irony. Um, but, uh, but hey, two of them became world champions. But, and the whole thing of them bringing brought in, what I thought was fantastic, because we're talking about, like, not just the moments now, we're, like, we're referencing before and after. I thought the before and after was, was good uh, on this. It didn't, like, diminish, you know. Like, the way they brought them in, I thought was, like, really effective. On, early on in that night, where they do the heel turn on Cactus Jack, got a lot of fucking heat. It was a really kind of, like, uh, a really kind of fun moment, which built up the crowd to that. Yes, the crowd being strong is a big thing to that. But hey, guess what? With everything else we're going to say in the rest of this top ten, the crowd being hot is also very important as well. But let's not take away the actual action here. Like the stars, it said, Rock was was never hotter. Uh, like uh, uh, Triple H as well. X Pac is there. It has just been a superb heel. Cat Foley's there. Uh, and and yeah, you have like Rikishi and Too Cool, which were ridiculous. Like 
those three shouldn't have worked together they shouldn't have worked individually but somehow they did it was an entertaining act and it was just kind of like a, a epitome of uh, watching that crowd I completely forgot the crowd doing that yeah. the fucking Icelandic thunderclap yeah. I'm like Jesus yeah. fucking yeah. Christ it's sky too hot here. I could yeah. beat the shit out of that guy <laughs> why are you cheering him <laughs> oh yeah he's ace wish I could do the worm <laughs> and what's more an MSG crowd are doing like, oh. the rumble as well yeah, yeah. of course oh, yeah. But but it's just like but let's not take away from the action of the match with it being a ten man tag it could easily be very convoluted but they stuck to a nice rigid structure everyone got their chances to shine everybody looked great in it they all had their moments they built up perfectly to the right person to get the hot tag of the rock where the place goes even more fucking molten where like freaking foundations are crumbling underneath it because the crowd are going so awesome and just the back and forth action was absolutely fantastic and within this within this there is the most perfectly executed textbook so textbook they put it into the No Mercy video game German suplex that Chris Benoit does on Rikishi there has never ever no debate ever been a more perfectly executed German suplex particularly on a fat ass like him it was so good they literally just photocopied it and put it into the game that was beautiful but Again, Pac was the star of this match for me. I thought he was awesome. As the fucking bumping every bumping. time you need to get shine on the face, particularly with Rock, Rock must love X Pac yeah. because they've got such great chemistry. Anytime you need to pick the pace up and get some shine on faces, tag him Pac and let him do his thing. And he was fucking brilliant. And it's like Triple H, you fucking owe that guy a whole crate of beers full of gold. <laughs> that, that, that's, that was right. Yeah. You get the idea he owes him. Yeah, it was, uh, again, taking nothing away from the match with my own placement, it was just. I, I, I thought it was I mean sensational yeah, it, it's one of those matches that again it's actually interesting your perspective in terms of watching this after the fact because I think that a lot of the um, it, it does it's like the, those moments where you can kind of capture the feeling at the time and this this really does capture the feeling at the time for, so, for pretty much all the guys in the match it is it's a time capsule match that's the phrase I was looking for you don't need to necessarily watch the angle before it you can just watch that match and just get it it's like that match uh, outside of pay-per-view shows that match is like a perfect photograph of the year 2000 and how fucking hot the company was in that year. That match just encapsulates that year. Moving to number nine on the list. It is uh, dialing back the clock to 1997 as Bret Hart turns heel on March 24th, 1997. Uh, Carl is bowing up to the microphone. No, I I'm, rated I'm, this. I'm just keeling over. <laughs> I voted this at number 16. Carl, you had this at number 8. Kieran, you had this at number 18. Uh, I This is just fucking sensational. This, this is the best promo of Bret Hart's life, in my opinion. And not only that, but the angle afterwards where he beats up Shawn Michaels is even better. <laughs> oh, the old figure four around the ring. Oh, post. kicking him in his little trick knee. <laughs> you know, talking about things you never thought you'd see. You know, as, as, a, as a child watching that in 97, you just, you know, mouths aghast. Eyes bulging out. Bret Hart slagging people off. He's not being very nice. Moving on, America. What's going on? <laughs> I used to believe in you. You were going to inspire me to think of the graphics. <laughs> yeah, you're going to fucking get that in. <laughs> but no, it, it is just absolutely stunning. Yeah, the sort of the, the solid, dependable, good guy. Who just sort of blows it all up? But he's been not, fucked so many yeah, times by the system. Just, but it, not in the conventional sense. You know, it, it's 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 a new take on on sort of the, the heel turn. He praises Britain. He praises Germany. Pretty much all of Europe, Canada, you know, Southeast Asia. I think South Africa gets a shout out. Yeah, yeah, pretty much 
every continent except a certain section of North America. Yeah. <laughs> South Africa, just... and that's apartheid South Africa at the time, people. Same with the Americans. Sorry. <laughs> it's not his fault they put the wrong flag up, Keir. Yeah. <laughs> we... What a great, what a great throwback. <laughs> not for the people of South Africa, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Oh, no. But, uh... But no, just... Uh, like, like you say, the, the best promo he's probably ever cut in his life, you know... A, a real sort of off to the races we go and you, we, we've sat and talked about moments where they're isolated moments and they're wonderful but there's it's always tinged with a bit of sadness or regret because of what transpires afterwards with this you know it gets the ball rolling and it's just like a damn avalanche yeah it's absolutely wonderful and probably kicks off Depending on which day you ask me, probably my favourite year of the company. Yeah. Which just which sounds odd to say because it's it's not Austin at his peak because it's not ninety eight. It's, it's not the the best year in company history in terms of profits or anything like that. But the dynamics of of the Hart Foundation and, and Austin and Sean on the other side and Sean's heel turn and the crisscrossing you know across the border it just it just starts off a a really enjoyable period for me. I, I love what I love about the Brett character is the. The condemning of <coughs> the culture of America endorsing brutality and violence, and the way he's going to deal with this is by being more brutal and more violent to their heroes. It's like this guy's deep down, he's being a prick, but he's wrapping it up in like just this. He, he of hasn't. He hasn't changed. No, they've changed, and they just kiss my ass because of it. And Sean comes down and calls my belt mark, <laughs> and then just gets laid to waste, which is hilarious. But uh, yeah, no, this is this was absolutely outstanding stuff. Uh, top ten for you, Carl, and uh, yeah, I just think absolutely brilliant. Um, moving on now, number eight. It is the second angle on this list from March thirtieth of nineteen ninety eight. This is Steve Austin's stunning Vince McMahon the night after WrestleMania fourteen. Of course, the crowning of Stone Cold Steve Austin as the champion the night before, and this is where we get the angle where Vince McMahon in his suit with a new belt comes out and gives it to Austin who drops the old belt on his foot and he sells it <laughs> he takes the new belt and they have the great discussion about whether they're going to do things the easy way or the hard way it's great back and forth Vince just again not completely full blown prick heel here but no. clearly moving towards conniving it conniving son of a bitch more like yeah we all, we all know Vince for what he is at this point and seeing him double talk and seeing Austin not sell for it but, but feigning mulling it over yeah and just looking at the crowd with his little face, yeah. with everyone knowing what he's thinking. Just, just, just rubbing his forehead. Vince is going to fucking get it again. Vince is going to get it again. Oh, it's brilliant. I, this is great because, again, you talk about those moments that kind of snapshot the time. This is like, this was the first angle on the Raw after WrestleMania 14 where it's like, okay, what's the company going to look like now he's actually the champion? And to see this, and you watch this, and fuck me, there's so many signs in the crowd. That you, they are literally blocking Vince. You can't see Vince from the hard camera because there's so many signs in the crowd. They are chanting Austin when the show starts before anything's ever happened. He is the Lord above Molten. to these people. It is unbelievable. And when Vince comes out and does a little shit-eating speech, only for Austin to give him the stunner, and he gets arrested again, but he's the man, and who cares? Yeah, this is great. This was this this this, this you talk about things with with the Bret Hart promo that set things in motion couple weeks after this well we'll get to it but uh, yeah it was a uh, it was fantastic yeah I just um, it was I think Austin Vince this was obviously the kickoff. this but it wasn't the inception we'd already had the 
you know, do you want me to be the champion? And Vince finally breaks, oh hell no. Coming that was off the back of Montreal, so yeah. we know Vince will fuck people over, so that was obviously the Vince character. But it's not over it's not overblown. Vince is still playing corporate Vince, still the colour commentator in presentation um as a character, obviously he's not competent. And then this is okay, so this is yeah, this is the way things are gonna be. Now Steve Austin is now our guy. Obviously Sean's gone, it's just him and Vince one on one. Um so what's the lay of the land boys and it's yep this is what the focus is going to be he doesn't want him to be but he sets the premise for the whole of the yeah. whole feud it's, it's been trickling under but now it's okay this is the feud he doesn't the boss you got to be learn to be flexible yeah, Steve yeah it's uh, it's just absolutely beautiful in its simplicity in its naturalness in its that in, in the, the prefacing of what's happened previously with the character of Vince the real life character of Vince coming out in Montreal the character of Steve Austin coming through independently of Vince but now it's just the most natural clash in the natural world. crossover in the world for the two characters and yeah now we're going to go to the races and Vince is going to do the more slightly more wackier elements to his character in, in the presentation with, with um, rather than so straight laced with the presentation that falseness mm. it's like where the falseness actually helps because we know he's being false and this is the real Vince coming out now it's just everything just falls into place it's like this is fucking magic it's absolute magic Kieran you had this at number four on your list Carl at number two I think the ranking speaks for itself there, as far as my view of it. Yeah, it's just like look, I, there's not really much to elaborate on from what Kieran said and what you said. It sets the stage for the better part of the next eighteen months, and the company just skyrockets. Simple as that for you. Yes, with our Lord and Savior Steve Austin at the helm. <laughs> so that sits at number eight. At number seven. The second coming to me of the Lord and Saviour. The return of The Rock after seven years away. February 14th, 2011. An unbelievable moment in promo. I absolutely adore this. This made my top ten. This was my number four uh, of all time. This I. So, after, again, G, you talk about the fucking malaise of WWE. And the, and the Nexus Angle is balls up by this point. It's gone. They, they're going to announce the host for WrestleMania. Who are you going to call? Who's it going to be? There were rumours it was Justin Bieber. They did the angle right before where a woman's heel, high heel comes out of a limousine, so you think it's going to be a woman. What's it going to be? Okay. They do the whole thing. Rock's music hits. And, every, oh my God. People lose their shit. Goes without saying. But the thing for me with this, and it's why it's such an indelible moment for me and why I rated this so high is, the feeling after this happened, because I did watch this live at the time, and... I just remember thinking, oh, it's one of those rare moments where you're like, you don't know what's going to happen, but it feels like the business could change because The Rock's back. And he said, The Rock is back in that promo. So you don't know exactly what's going to happen here in terms of his schedule and how much he's going to be involved. It just feels like, oh my God, this guy just pissed over seven years of shit promos <laughs> with this one incredible effort where you got these people eating out of his ass. Effortlessly, Effortless. he just puts my you know, like all the shit with Michael Cole at ringside. There's stuff where he mentioned Cena, which yeah. was like, oh, again playing on something that people knew was real. Yeah. Oh man, this even, is even even just pointing to the goosebumps on his yeah. own arm. Yeah. That that yeah, oh, just just seeing him walk around. It's like, honestly, he gets a pop. The music gets a pop. He gets a pop when he comes out. He gets a pop when he walks over towards the different sections. And then at one point, the music picks up and he walks towards the ring. And people pop even more, realising, oh my god, he's going to do a promo. He's not just going to stand here, like on Raw 25. You know, every fucking asshole just comes and stands there and does yeah. nothing. 
And he just comes and, like I say, does that promo that just reminds you, just in case you'd forgotten, yeah, this guy oh, is no. the fucking best. Oh, nobody forgot. Oh, well, if they nobody did, forgot. just in case they did, this, oh man, this, uh, few things, obviously, because I rated it so high, were as awesome to watch for me. It's just Rock being back, because I love The Rock. And it's like, just to see him back, god damn, this is where it's at, right? Here. <laughs> uh, yeah, where did the Dolly put it in now at all? Um, you have this at number 18. Number 18. Carl, this was your top 10 as well? Number mm. 9, I think? Mm. Yeah, there or there, yeah. I think, uh, I don't know. I think maybe it's just because uh, I'd have it in probably a different list, maybe just great life moments. I don't know. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, 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 I haven't forgotten about it. I haven't forgotten how great he was. And I don't know. Maybe, maybe the reason why I didn't have it so high is because whilst it was a great, like, pop moment, maybe I was just like. Uh, so deep down inside, I always kind of knew he'd come back or something. I, I don't know, but uh, just thinking about it, it's just um, yeah, it was just well, God, it was just a hell of a moment. Just the crowd, just uh, electrifying, mind the pun. And it's just yeah, it was just, yeah, just the way he shits on everything. And 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 the thing is though, but the thing is that it isn't just exclusive to this moment. It's any time he comes back. He shits on everything else that's on that show or has been on since he was last there because he's just on a completely different level. He doesn't shit on it. He just plan. shows it up well, as yeah, the shit yeah, that it okay, is yeah, compared yeah, to yeah, him. Yeah, but because he's he's the second of Jesus Christ, he shits on everything that's happened there before. It's just it just shows everything into a light of like everything else doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> it doesn't. None of it matters anymore because he's back and he's here. He's gracing us with his presence. We should just lap it up and be thankful and say, please, sir, can I have some more? <laughs> because you're just dealing with a guy who is so effortlessly charismatic, so effortlessly uh, just a supreme performer of crowd control. It's, 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 an, it's unparalleled. Moving to number six on this list, one place higher than the return of the rock... Which I should mention, by the way, led to like three straight years of WrestleMania doing a million buys. So that, there's another reason to love that moment. Um, but at number six, it is Steve Austin's first Stone Cold stunt to Vince McMahon in Madison Square Garden on September 22nd, 1997. This was the culmination of about six, eh, about a month to six weeks of build of Steve Austin, who, after being pile driven by Owen Hart, uh, takes one person after another who's a non wrestler and giving them the stunt from Slaughter to Jim Ross to. Jerry the King Lawler looking over his shoulder at the restraining order and finally finally attacks Owen Hart and breaks the restraining order one more time the cops hit the ring in Madison Square Garden Vince comes ambling in from the fucking announce oh. desk pa no, pa panicking headset thrown hey, off wait a minute. No, hands no, 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 no. outstretched yeah what's the matter with you to Steve Austin and trying to talk about how you don't you see how much we care and then and Austin just, just yeah, there's almost sort of it, it's it's but don't you, break you, the you law don't, you, don't, you don't want to say it's foreshadowing because obviously it's not set in stone what happens with Montreal and Vince's character but, but it was so but, you, great. but you get the, it, you could almost point to it as foreshadowed in the sense of he's saying to Steve just work within the system yeah that's all and you get Austin there and he sort of does the he does the fake the sort of fake contrition again and mulling things over and, you know says so he feels a bit like cool hand Luke and then he stuns the bloke who's been on commentary for years and years and years as the staple of our childhood. No one's ever touched Vince. Yeah. Apart, apart from the Brett shove, that was as bad as Vince's... And Vince the accidental chair shot from uh, Piper in, like, maybe one. If anybody remembers that angle with their flair. Oh, God, yeah, on Superstars? Yeah, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> um, 
well, yeah, you know, such such a rare sight to see, and it's the worst sell job in the world from Vince. We we've never seen a stunner sold worse than that, but it doesn't matter. No, because it's it's the fact that he did it. It's the it's the fact that it's Vince and of MSG, all people, it's in Vince. MSG, the perfect place where everyone knows the deal when it comes to Vince and his position in the company. And yeah, no one's no one's fooled in that. <laughs> no, not anymore. Not anymore. They all know the deal, and it's just it's just awesome because it's like. It's perfect for Austin. It's perfect for Vince to take it. It's the perfect place, and you can just again one of those moments where when it happens, it's like it was so jarring because again breaking the convention of Vince never being touched and him just being like, wow, Austin's just going to stun everyone. He's the he's no one's safe. No one's safe. He's the king. <laughs> and yeah, this 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 helps ramp Austin up, and he was already red hot anyway. But this this run when he couldn't wrestle and was just laying out important people. Oh man. Moving on now, we are in the top five. We are hitting the nitty-gritty, as Gorilla Monsoon used to say, uh, at number five. Yep, he's back. Steve Austin, <laughs> Bret Hart. It's the street fight angle from April 21st, 1997. Pretty much the entire episode is what I kind of group in here with uh, with this show, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. it is it is a show-long story that begins with Austin coming out wanting the, 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 the fight with Bret, which has been kind of booked. He wants the match. It's going to happen. Brent and the Hart Foundation do the promo on him, which is just great. It continues on with, with you know, the backstage angle where he's trying to break down the door and get to Brett. Brett says, send him to the ring. Austin, who's already done the promo, don't worry about putting on your pink and black tights because they look like crap anyway. They, they come out, they have the street fight. The crowd is fucking ballistic because they are for all this stuff in the top 25. But again, it's Austin as he's hitting a crescendo here. Fucking lays him out, beats the shit out of him, gets thrown out of the building by Monsoon, comes back in the ambulance and batters the shit out of Brett some more. You got Dave, you know, and chasing him down for the rest yeah. of the show. You got the, the fight. You got Sean helping to break it up, and then Brian Pillman comes in at the end to cheap shot Austin from behind and just fucking put the final like. This show is unbelievable. It's it's one of my favorite episodes of Raw ever because unlike just to throw it out there, a standalone isolated show like a Braun Strowman being fired and rehired in the same show from a couple oh. of weeks ago, which meant nothing and felt so false. This was like this feels consequential. Everything is awesome and. My God! Just like everybody comes out of this better. Dare I say this feels um, almost Jim Crockett Promotions esque? Yeah. You know, you think sort of the Horsemen attacking Dusty at the gas station, all, the, all, all those sorts of things. It it has that that sense of grittiness to it, that sort of sense of, of realism. Well, I say realism as, as realistic as it can be. Someone commandeering an ambulance and uh, <laughs> wheeling Brett out the back, which I think is probably my possibly my. F- one of my favourite sort of individual moments in wrestling history just this, the, the image of Brett just sliding down on the stretcher just perfectly positioned there for Austin to just weigh on him to batter him it's like everyone like Owen and the things I, I almost put the uh, the formation of the Heart Foundation on the list as well because I love that whole period but it's just like this one for me is the peak of the Brett Steve stuff where mm. it's like just that everything right down to like when they're wheeling Brett into the ambulance you've got David Boy <laughs> saying what's the, what's the chords guys what's his knee you know it's like fucking it's his knee it's his knee yeah, it's his knee <laughs> even even Davy Boy's audibles can't sour you yeah. on the greatness that is this this show long angle. It's brilliant. Owen Hart Owen Hart's voice is great whenever he's whining. Whiny anyway. little bastard. Yeah, it sits oh, in perfectly. Man, what a show! Go watch it, folks. April twenty first, nineteen ninety seven. Just very quickly, I think it's it is sums up that that period as well where they've got so few guys. Oh, depth is nothing. There's no depth, now. and so you you need to multi- multiple upon uh, segments for guys and. This is where Austin just comes into his own. Obviously, when, he, when he's injured as well, but um, earlier. But it's yeah, the show is built around the one guy. It's not repetitive. 
it's fucking you just want to see more and more of Steve Austin do this shit and no one else like, like Sean couldn't do that you couldn't, no. do, you couldn't do that with Sean you couldn't do with Brett back and forth, uh, repetition of, uh, of, the, of segments you couldn't do it with anyone else on that show and it's, it's in a lot of ways Austin's been so fucking lucky that period everything yeah. that went around everything that transpired with the Vince stuff we, you know nothing to do with Austin with, with, with Brett and with Vince in general the, the, Sean being a problem child yeah the exposure of the business so people know these problems between Brett and Sean and the Vince backstory mm. and Austin even when Austin gets injured and like they come up with angles for him it helps him because he's not doing jobs he just beat the shit out of yeah. people it's like, always looks great it's like although he got although he got dropped on his head by him and it's like that even that worked out for him in the short term at least uh, and this is this this, this encapsulates that era where we've got nothing and oh shit we've just we've stumbled across this guy and oh my god we can just we can just film him for two hours and that's our show <laughs> and literally that's what it's I true. should do it's brilliant it's so uh, it's, it encapsulates that wonderfully yeah absolutely but yeah uh, during that time when you got Brett and Sean being quite childish with each other it's, it is that thing I remember you said on the timeline here and it sums it up perfectly why don't we just put Steve Austin in five segments because he's fucking awesome in everything he does yeah there you go <laughs> so there you go yeah this is the first thing on the uh, on the uh, docket to get three top ten votes which uh, puts it at number five moving along now to number four beating it ever so slightly it is the uh, the final seconds of the countdown to the millennium with the rock in the middle of the ring the debut of Chris Jericho on August 9th 1999 the first thing on this list to get all votes from all four of us uh, it's, it's taken this long but yeah Chris Jericho debuts against The Rock well the best promo uh, best debut I should say uh, that the WWE has ever done in my opinion I think this is just absolutely outstanding we'll be talking about this on the timeline uh, very very shortly I'm going to like more timeline but again just talking about all these angles that I rated really high I rated high because they were built over a long period of time or there were things that actually really genuinely changed the system for a long period this is one where just as a fan we've been wanting Jericho in the WF for so long he'd been so great in WCW where there were so few shining beacons and he's there and at that point because of things like X-Pac jumping and, and certain other guys you had that in your head of if he would just go to the WWF where depth is nothing he would be a top fucking 4 or 5 guy easy because he's that good and the WWF would surely push him there land of opportunity land of opportunity that was the vision, that was the, the, the kind of the, the, the mindset people had at the this time this guy is easy versus Luke Shaw and he talks like rock yeah my Just god Jericho. yeah that was the perception and uh, and again I knew he was signed we didn't know the countdown to the millennium would be him I was desperately hoping it would be and for it to, it's, it's one of my, my favourite moments in wrestling history when the word Jericho appears yeah. on the screen and just shrieking like a woman like yes he's finally there and then when you actually see him and he's got his back and his arms out just burst out laughing like perfect that's so Chris Jericho this is going to be awesome and it's the sound I love watching it back and when, it, the, the, when Jericho comes on the screen and you hear that visceral the, cheer yes! yeah. that's me that's Liam that's you Cole that's G that's everyone every man who's been following or woman I'll say that because why not every man or woman who's been watching wrestling and is excited about what's going to happen next in this war and what could Chris Jericho be if he was in a company that could fucking use talent yeah. and he's here and, and he's here against the rock like yes they know that he, and of course that didn't last long <laughs> but for one show again I mean Jesus there's never been a better debut the anticipation of this very unlike anything that they'd done previously with the, the, the I mean they'd done vignettes before but never like a mystery vignette yeah. thing all that much I mean, I've, I've always absolutely loved the um, just the the expression on the rock's face as well just yeah. Once you get past his name on the screen and you see him stood there, you know, arm, arms out, back to the ring, and then it cuts to Rock, 
and he just has this look of absolute disdain on his face. <laughs> you know, like like he's just sucked on a sour sweet. And he's just saying, like, "What the? Who the fucking hell are you?" <laughs> Interrupting my promo time. And then it's just a wonderful back and forth. Uh, a couple of different debuts up there, but uh, but those are more like angles and stuff, just for various different reasons. But as just a soul, like someone's coming to the company, boom, here they are. It, yeah, there's nothing has ever topped this. Probably steep to say, probably never will. Really, it was just it was just the right time. Uh, I didn't see at the time that obviously that it happened, but like uh, looking back on it, it's again we're talking about these little pictures and moments it's like you can watch that and you don't need to know what Jericho's career was like in WCW or how it went after that the fact that he was dressed in China for the Intercontinental title <laughs> later that year you just watch that individual like moment and just go wow that was that was a moment that was special yeah absolutely fucking just fantastic all the way around and uh, you know, Jericho was awesome Rock was awesome putting him down but uh, it's brilliant uh, yeah, you saw this and you got so excited for what Chris Jericho in the WWF was going to be um, yeah, I think that sums it up. Moving now to number three on the list. April 13th, 1998. Steve Austin versus Vince McMahon being teased all show long on Raw. It is the episode of Raw that broke the Nitro winning streak after two years. Uh, this was number two for me, number three for you, Carl, number six for you, Kieran. Um, it's I, for importance alone. Like this is just fucking unbelievable. But the everything about this is, and I watched it. I watched this whole episode back to prep for this, and we watched it for the timeline. But it's like I watched it again. It's just like oh, Austin daring Vince to do the match, saying that every time you describe a champion, it sounds like you, and you came out here with this new belt, holding it over your shoulder like you're the champion. It's you. You're the guy that wants that. You want to be the champion. And Vince kind of umming and ahhing, like, where? he doesn't even acknowledge the question. He's like, where's this going? Where's this going, Steve? And then you got like, you know, he makes it, he makes the challenge. He doesn't know what the fuck to do. You got Patterson and Briscoe there who are like guffawing with him backstage on what to do and how you're going to deal with uh, this. Oh, tutoring with the Stooges. Tutoring with the Stooges. Comes out, does that, yo, will I face him tonight? Oh, hell yeah. And everyone going crazy. Jim Ross leaving the announce desk at one point to go and try and talk some sense into Vince because this is a terrible idea for our company. And then it finally builds and finally builds. And I remember more so than any other like angle that I remember during this period where wrestling is just fucking so awesome. The Austin McMahon, when they finally did the actual match in the ring and they're stalling and stalling, they're dragging it out and the one hand tied behind the back, everything about it, I started sitting in the seat and by the end I was literally sitting inches from the television screen like, come on, let's do it, Austin and Vince, this is, it's Vince in a match, it's so fucking weird, it's Vince in a match, Austin at his peak of popularity. What manoeuvres are we going to get to see? <laughs> the, 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 you know, everyone in their perfect positions, everything built up so well, and then Doolittle comes out and dicks the whole thing. But again, even that's okay, they need to heat somebody up, Cactus had left the week before, there we go, we, we, we've got something, it was, it, like I said, for importance, this can, can't be understated, it's the show that broke the, the Nitro winning streak, but even just beyond that, just the performances, this was just beautiful. Yeah, it's the, the performances are, are, are great. I think the, the only thing I would say is that it's probably I can't quite recall how I've uh, ranked the individual Austin Vince uh, segments. Now it's and it's probably just from a, from a purely sort of watching standpoint, it's probably not my favourite. That's not to say I, I, I don't love it. I absolutely do, but 
it's probably not the one I'd, I'd rank at the top personally but as you say Liam for the importance that it means to the company to yeah we, we've I, I can talk about how much I love 97 and we can talk about how great Austin was and how many segments can we get him into because he's brilliant and you know you, you get into 98 and we'll, we may well touch on, on Austin uh, Tyson and DX throughout all that I still haven't got a, I still haven't got a W in the column for a Monday night and it just you, you do just sort of sit there and think, oh, what the hell would it possibly What's take, it take? <laughs> how can they be watching this crap as, as Vince likes to say uh, so, but then so to finally to finally get it over the hill get one over WCW and to not just make it be the hot shot let's get a rating on Monday night our WCW would, would do in, in their sort of responses you know, it was laying the proper foundations to really kick ass going forward well that's a point not only did they have a point so often when you get these like uh, non-wrestler versus wrestlers <coughs> it's inauthentic to do for it feels this, it feels inauthentic because it's to do a PR match this is like the subtlety of Vince is what makes this like again Tyson's the whole reality of the, of, of the story of why it connects we've seen Vince for years do the corporate fucking straight man sickly yucking it up yeah fucking sell, selling a double glaze in our commentary and, <laughs> and then we've got this we got the, the sense that that's he's not that's not a genuine person because we've seen these wrestling with shadows and all these little things that come through um, and like the stories the internet the, the reality of what Vince is stigma um, so we know there's some, there's more to him. He's there's, he's a fucker, <laughs> and this is that sense that Austin plays to his hubris, and it gets to him. Vince, it's like we've seen Vince's guns, and it's like he's right. He fucking we can look, you can see Vince. Can, and Vince, when Vince accepts, matter of fact, oh hell yeah, it's like that. This fucker thinks it's like Dana White. He actually thinks he could beat up that guy. He <laughs> thinks he could beat up one of his one of his fighters. Yeah. And it's like, and Austin's played him, and he's gonna get his fucking ass kicked. <laughs> it's gonna be great. We're gonna see, finally, someone kick the shit out of him in a match, like, seriously, like, not one move. He's gonna batter Vince. Yeah. Vince isn't, he's not, because Vince isn't over, I wouldn't say over the top in terms of Vince. He's very subtle in the acceptance of the match itself in that ring. And that's it. It's like, oh my god, what have you just fucking done? I can't wait. And that's what it is, and it's, it's yeah. and that context is what framed the whole Vince Austin uh, storyline it's fucking beautiful love it love it love it love it love it and, and to be rightful in this place at number three here on the list we move now to number two on the list it is January 4th 1999 Mankind wins the WWF title from The Rock Again, that Steve Austin fella shows up here. Uh, all four of us voted for this one. I had this at number three. Kieran, you had this at number two, which is where it sits perfectly here in, uh, on the final ranking. So, in terms of awesome pops, <laughs> in terms of just moments where you're just like, uh, there may be no moment I've watched more on this list than this match and the final moments. Just because I, I this is just this is just awesome. It's Rock who's peaked as a heel. It's Mankind who's peaking as a babyface. You got Vince and the DX thing you know, going on at ringside. Austin comes out, and I've never heard a pop like when a glass breaks. Ungodly. <laughs> it's otherworldly. You know, is it because all this crazy, all this shit's going on, and the one guy <laughs> who usually wins. Oh my God, Steve Austin's coming out. What the fuck is going to happen now? Yeah, and they were right to think that. It was so good, and like yeah. 
the chair shot, the cover, and when the ref counts three, to see these grown men just fucking punching the air like their favorite team just won the Super Bowl. It's a, it's a thing of beauty. It's, it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful pro wrestling. It's what makes me love pro wrestling. Is is how you can do this with these characters and genuine, genuine uh, generate such genuine emotion. Easy for me to say. Um, I just yeah, like I say, everyone has seen this. Everybody knows this, but I could there were a few moments more incredible to me in isolation or in build up or whatever. Again, the, the tease that earlier in the show where Michael says he's gonna get he's got a surprise that's gonna drive you stone cold crazy, and then Sean gets laid out, so you think ah, it might not happen, and then he comes out anyway at the perfect time. Chair shot to the rock, the cover, the impossible victory, and Vince selling it afterwards oh, is just yeah. awesome. Oh, and Shane selling as well as like the the, <laughs> the, un, the under Vince. And obviously, if you want historical significance for fucking Shivani on the other channel and Bischoff, yeah. then you got that too. So it's, this is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. The 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 pop for the entrance, the chair shot, the the pop for the pinfall, and a genuine feel good moment to, to cap it off. And yeah, yeah, it's just. It's just swell. <laughs> yeah, there, there are a few moments when I look back and I just think to myself about how you kind of. This is why I love it. You, this is why I love it, and also just the juxtaposition of what's happening <laughs> on Nitro at the same time. Oh, it's like, it is hilarious. It's, it's, like, it's hilarious. Whilst while Shivani during one of the segments is, is burying the title change, we're watching. Buff Bagwell be chased around the ring whilst he's out there with his partner Scott Norton as part of Vicious and Delicious. <laughs> this is one of those moments where you show someone a tape of this and you show someone a tape of the end of the Georgia Day and say, guess which one, guess which side won the war? You know what I mean? It's like, yep, there you go. Unbelievable, man. Anything you want to add, G, or are you just there in, in general yeah. agreement that this uh, is just fucking awesome? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I wasn't watching it at the time, so it doesn't quite have the significant... Uh, personal resonance uh, that it does with you guys, but obviously I put it in there because historically it's a uh, it's a significant moment, and I'm never going to uh, be smirch or be little the Mick Foley moment. So yeah, this was tremendous. Yeah, yeah. F- Foley had a lot of good- <coughs> Foley had a lot of goodwill at the time, and after the special of Hell in the Cell has been replayed to death by that point. It's like we love Foley; he's hilarious. He's won us over this comedic thing after being a little bit flat there for a while. And yeah, let's, let it, let's let's give him let's give him a night. Let's give him the night. And Rock was so awesome that he could pull it off and and come back stronger than ever. So oh, it's just it's a beautiful moment, beautiful moment. Pro wrestling done perfectly. However, there is one thing that is slightly more perfect, and it made it to number one, probably to the surprise of absolutely nobody. Three number one votes it gets here. Austin and Tyson. Austin and Tyson. Do you, do you do you really need to say? I thought much you were just going to say Austin Tyson. Again. I thought that was our review. Just well, saying Austin Tyson well, over and over. That that was all Jr. needed to do on the night, and that was enough for me. <laughs> I, I I orgasm there and then. I tell you, that was too much. Vince's Vince's <laughs> reaction to the angle as it's going on. You've ruined it. You've ruined it, Darren. You've ruined it. As he throws yeah. the weakest yeah. punch you're ever likely yeah. to and see. And Austin fights his way out well, to get one arm just, free. Just, so just, just, the just, just as he's just he's been. He's just being dragged away. You just see his arm waving with the middle finger in the air. Fuck you, Vince! All the Tyson's entourage like viciously picking up his money rather than holding Tyson back away from uh, Austin was uh, quite amusing. But yeah, it's um, I, I I didn't have it quite as high as you guys. But I mean, again, it's don't just personal resonance. But it's it, historically um, la- uh, when we did the last show and we were talking about Jericho Omega and I mentioned about how from beginning to end that was like a great piece 
of business. Okay, whether the match is a success, uh, like you know, is is like a five star. What everything was great piece of business. This is uh, far far beyond that. Uh, the best piece of business WWF has ever done. Ever. It, it was just it was just ma- uh, magical. Yeah, um, it's just getting Tyson in at the right time. Oh, so if, if any if any WCW had the chance to have him as well, <laughs> but it's just like the, the, to bring in the right guy oh, at the right time to go head to head with like the perfect guy on a build where he's he's on he's on the road he's on the road he's he's getting the belt he's he's getting hot and hot and hot and it's just this great mix with just with you know Mr. Ham in the middle. It was just it was just it was just a, a freaking a great piece of business from beginning to end and like you know we've talked about and they've, and they've had other good pieces of business using celebrities you know like Donald Trump was Donald Trump was a good one uh, you could probably say Floyd Mayweather you know like there's a lot of people but nothing has ever topped this in terms of just getting like same way with Jericho Omega trying to get eyes onto a product that they wow. don't think is already there Didn't but this Trump draw more for a buy rate, he did, but I'd yeah. argue that no one Different. person came out of it better. Like, basically, the, the reason why I love this, and I think everybody will, it's hey, we made it number one. This helped Steve Austin go from the wrestling star to a guy that was just yeah. a fucking man. Yeah. I couldn't a believe. Star. I could not believe watching BBC News and seeing yeah. Steve Austin shove Mike Ty- giving the yeah. finger to Mike Tyson being on it the was, news it was all those extra eyes and that's why it's great business the same with Jericho like, to a lesser extent getting eyes on a product that they, those eyes that aren't usually on there this more so than anything because of how big a name Tyson was it, ha- it, it could do nothing but awesomeness yeah. uh, no. nothing but great for, for, for Austin and WWE now, see, you say that I don't think it should ever be underestimated how big a gamble this is for the company potentially uh, yeah Tyson's got his reputation um, it's ge- it's getting notoriety for the company but there's no guarantee it's going to work out well to, to, to paraphrase sort of the Vince line of Mike gets a bit excitable this, this is the man who is suspended from boxing at the time for chewing Evander Holyfield's ear off he served prison time for sexual assault this could this could absolutely spiral out of control with negative press if it's not done in the right way but it's just it's it's, it's just it's the right place a lot of money was on the line a too lot of mo- a hell of a lot of money's on the line you know and and so to to pull it off and and to start it with that moment i i just think is absolutely tremendous yeah no, nothing will be as enduring as this to me ever. I don't think anything can <coughs> just because of the balance of again, the, the, like you say, the stigma of Tyson. And the thing is too, when I say, oh, you know, it was in the news, as as you know, because there's been so many celebrity involvements now, and so many you know news is what it is, where it's so it's spread so thin, and it's you know not so hard to get on ESPN and shit like that now. But at the time, it was wrestling was like that fucking thing in the corner to the world, outside of being a wrestling fan. So to see it being acknowledged, and to see it like people like just showing Steve Austin and that, you know, like it was just it was unbelievable. That's the thing. Tyson Tyson was would you say Carl biggest sports star in the world at the time? I'd say so. I mean, granted, certainly the most nameworthy. Yeah, and then but the moral and we don't even talk about it is how good he is. That general population saw this angle with Steve Austin and then it it wasn't like oh there's Mike Tyson doing a crazy wrestling angle how embarrassing which is what you'd expect this time it was like fuck it's intense fuck this is this is this is something this is this is this is important shit and that guy that bald guy that fucking badass he's cool as fuck and he's 
it's like that looks real too or at least it's legit so you can suspend your disbelief and think this is fucking this is big stuff that's it it's big it's big yeah and, and Austin the dis- prize fight feel yeah and it, but it was Austin Austin's cachet went up so much because he just it, without even thinking god look how great Steve Austin is it's like you know, you, you weren't thinking look how good Steve Austin is as a, as a wrestling performer you're thinking fuck me this is a great act fuck me this is, great, this is exciting you just completely lose that sense of self wrestling confines yes. and yeah awareness it's like this is fucking awesome I mean fucking yeah. was it's the best <laughs> the best wrestling angle of all time bar none yeah it, it's, it's just that simple thing as you said like you described like how how big Tyson was and you, you got like you know the plaudits and the, the not so nice side of him but him the uh, portraying him baddest guy on the planet you know it's just like he, he's a, he's a he's freaking a monster in, in 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 the ring and so on and and then you know someone like you you generally wouldn't want to fuck with and there you have Austin flipping him off uh, doesn't give a shit and it's like that's when you just turn around and just say you avoid Mike Tyson said, people avoid Mike yeah, Tyson yeah. Steve Austin was going out of his way to find Mike yeah, Tyson exactly. like, yeah. fuck him up yeah, exactly because you don't come on Steve Austin's uh, yeah. patch motherfucker oh god it's, this is exciting it's, stuff ex- exactly <laughs> that, that, that's why it like, works so beautifully like to get Austin so over because it's just like wow who's this guy who's actually just standing toe to toe with him and is not flinching he's not doing that thing where well, you get that sometimes with fighters where one kind of gets a bit too close to the other and you can see one like slightly squirming or flinching or whatever Austin's just there cold as fucking ice going who the fuck do you think you are I don't give a man. I don't give a fine fuck who you are and it's like way. that guy has fucking balls on him you know? I think the thing is you have, you have the wonderful contrast throughout the show as well because whilst at the end of the show you've got Austin and Tyson nose to nose in a pull apart prior to that you've got the contrast of smiling Mike Tyson who's being talked about how big a fan he is you know Cactus and Terry Funk are showing him the chainsaw and the baseball bat and the barbed wire he's, he's talking about Bruno Sammartino and all that sort of thing so you, you get that juxtaposition of, of the wrestlers being nice to Tyson sort of piling up to him then there's Steve Steve, Steve isn't friends with anyone. Everybody brings that in Mike as well. Okay. So all the way through the show, yeah, everyone's glad-handed Mike. Mike's being nice. He's doing the celebrity <coughs> guy, shaking hands. He's, he's a celebrity on a wrestling show. And then Austin gets in his face, and there's that moment where he flips him off, and Austin, Tyson does that little thing like, fuck you, motherfucking push. It's, it's, it's like, a- fuck, Tyson's gone too! It's on! It's on! Tyson and Austin! Yeah! <laughs> With that said, ladies and gentlemen, I think that sits nicely and kind of ties us over uh, for the the end of the list here. Number one, Mike Tyson, Steve Austin. Uh, I don't think it could have been anything else, quite frankly. So I'm glad. But I, I'm, I'm kind of happy with the way that this list. Sat. I'm sure that there are some things I want to bump up and down uh, in the way they sit. But I mean, with a list like this, you're always going to have that. And as we say. On a different day, you can probably rate things higher or lower, depending on, on what you feel like. So, uh, with that said, we hope you enjoyed the listen, and we will be back next week to talk all about the Royal Rumble, uh, the NXT TakeOver show, and beyond looking ahead to WrestleMania. For Carl Jones. Take care of yourselves and each other. For Kieran O'Rourke. It wasn't a list. And for G. John Chase. The rock concert was completely screwed on this list. I mean, come on, <laughs> the guy can sing and play a guitar as well. I am Lima Rock and we are out of here. Talk to you next week.